Home gets a touch. On the volley! It's sensational! Romagnoli runs away in delight. What a strike from the Italian centre-back of all people. Hello and welcome back to Say A Spotlight Season 2 Episode 9 We're your hosts Jake and Matt Here to cover all the latest details of Match Day 8 in Serie A Our goal of the week was Alessio Romagnoli's volley from outside of the area for Lazio against Spezia What a fucking hit that was man What a hit bro honestly um, he's He has a knack for scoring bangers to be honest He scored two for Milan um, I believe it was two or three seasons ago mm-hmm. One against Udinese, one against Lazio I think Yeah, two Udinese Amazing goals back to back Yeah, both in the last minute of the game if yeah. I'm not mistaken Last minute winners And one against Udinese was like that Ravu Shata without the Shata Yeah, just a Ravu <laughs> Exactly And this one was kind of shades of Zinedine Zidane um, I know I'm comparing Romagnoli to Zinedine Zidane, classic <laughs> Matt, here we go. <laughs> but the technique in which he hit the volley was very similar to Zidane's back in 2002 in Glasgow, yeah. Champions League final against Leverkusen. Um, two completely different players, but they hit a volley quite similarly. Yeah, it's basically Zidane, but with hair. Exactly, there you go. As elegant and as graceful. We would like to apologize for the technical issues experienced in the last episode. They have since been dealt with. We have reverted back to our old ways until a new um, solution is yeah. found. Yeah. So we're awfully close to each other right now. Exactly. We dealt with it our own way to the point where we have one mic between us and we're basically making out is right that- now. <laughs> But it is what it is. We adapt. We just want to give you guys the, the best experience possible. Yeah, my left ear is going to be ringing by the time this is done. Serie <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, spotlight slips. We have finally conquered some gold. Yes, sir. I would say. After six straight losses. Madonna, man. Yeah, we bet that Milan would get the job done against Empoli. Um, so you can guess what we went through on Saturday night. <laughs> we also bet that Udinese would win or draw away to Hellas. Um, and that was also quite um, sweaty. Yeah. Took a while. Yeah. Um, Verona had the lead for quite a chunk of that game. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're currently at 20 euros and 76 cents. Yeah, technically we're still 20 euro down because we had to buy back in yes. for 20 euro. So yeah, maybe when we maybe when we break even, we could start being a little bit more audacious with our bets because I hate how safe we need to play it at the moment yes. because of our limited pot. We're just climbing slowly, you know. Five yeah. euro bets, the responsible way. But anyway, bro, to the moon, to the moon, baby. I mean, we do so much better on our persons because we're like, ah, fuck it, <laughs> you know exactly. what I mean. But yeah. since we have a platform here, we we need to be careful. Um, you can follow us guys to keep uh, up to date with these bets and some of our other bonus content um, yeah. at say a spotlight on Instagram and TikTok mainly. Uh, we use Twitter too. Twitter is the best place to be honest to reach out and actually talk to us. You can even send us voice notes on Instagram and we'll feature you on the podcast. Exactly. And before we get into the happenings of match day eight, I'd just like to go through each and every scoreline with you guys. So to start off, it was Inter 1, Roma 2, and probably the tightest encounter we had this week. There was Empoli 1, Milan 3, some late drama over there. Napoli 3, Torino 1, Napoli doing Napoli things. Atalanta 1, Fiorentina 0, another clean sheet for Atalanta. Juve 3, Bologna 0. Like, what the hell? Allegri's men getting three goals over mm, there. Thank you, Motta. Thank you very much, Motta. Verona 1, Udinese 2. Verona did not make it easy for Udinese at all. <laughs> Lazio 4, Spezia 0. Or should I say Barca 4, Spezia 0. Sassuolo 5, 
Salentana nil, the biggest shock of this week. Mm-hmm. Sampdoria nil, Monza three. There are three new boys getting on the score sheet in Sensi, Pessina and Caprari. Lecce won, Cremonese won in a relegation six-pointer, turning out to be a relegation one-pointer. <laughs> yeah. What stood out for you in this match day? Um, quite a few things, to be honest, bro. Um, there's a lot to get into. Um, yeah. Particularly, you know, Atalanta, the fact that they have continued to um, prove what we have been saying. Yeah. You and, know, and, and you know, 1-0 every time, the clean sheets. I think they have the most in the league now. Clean yeah, yeah fi- they have five out of their first yeah. eight. And Darun can't stop tweeting about parking the bus. Like, <laughs> he won't shut the fuck up about it. It's them for me, bro. Um, Udinese as well, resilient. Of course. Uh, ever, like, that was a champion's fucking victory for them. Yeah. Right? Like, they wouldn't have won that yeah. game had it been last year or the year before. The injuries for Milan we have yeah. been stricken once again. Yeah. And with all these... You know, the two games against Chelsea, a game against Juve. Um, hopefully the World Cup will give us, will give, will give our team an, an enough time to recover. Yes, I we'll guess. see. Um, let's get into them one by one, shall we? Yeah, I think the first game we should cover is Inter 1, Roma 2. So both we'll sides see. over here were coming off defeats as Inter have now compiled two losses in a row as they were coming off a 3-1 loss to Udinese. And Roma were coming off a 1-0 loss at home to Atalanta, two tough encounters for them over there. Now, the Giallo Rossi hadn't beaten Inter in any competition, home or away, since a 3-1 result at San Siro in February 2017. After that, Oof. they faced six draws and five defeats. Um, Inter have won more Serie A games and scored more Serie A goals against Roma than they have any other opponent in history. And um, no. that's 75 games and 290 goals but this time Roma have broken the curse and they beat Inter at San Siro two goals to one so the lineups 3-5-2 for Inter with Handanovic in goal and the back line of Bastoni, Acerbi and Skriniar um, Di Marco and Dumfries out wide for them with Chalanoglu, Aslani and Barella after Brozovic sustained a thigh injury Zerko and Martinez up front since Lukaku is still injured on the other hand, for Mourinho's men, it was Patricio on goal with a backline of Mancini, Smalling and Ibanez, probably some of the most physical defenders in the league, all in the same team. Um, Celic and Spinazzola out wide, a very physical combination in the middle between Cristante and Matic. Dybala and Zaniolo in the winger roles, with Pellegrini up front, Tammy was dropped, and didn't quite seem like Pellegrini was up front, just seemed like whoever was in position was up front for yeah, them. So you could say they played with flexible. three up front, pretty much. Um, obviously, we saw some changes here and there in each team. Acerbi and DeMarco were started for Inter over Devry and Gossens after they had great international displays. Um, whilst Pellegrini and Debala were reintroduced to the squad as they shook off some muscular problems. So, Zeko scored instantly off the get-go. It was a great finish into the bottom corner. What would have been his 100th goal in Serie A was cancelled out due to a very marginal offside. Um, however, after 30 minutes, Federico De Marco put Inter ahead. Um, it was a weak finish to the near post as Patricio fumbled it. It was some brilliant link-up play by Inter, but a sloppy end to that. But Inter still went 1-0 ahead. Some brilliant play there between Barella and Hakan. De Marco had scored for Italy as well this week. So What a week for him, man. What a week for me. Probably had so much sex as well. Yes. <laughs> I noticed he did the Theo Hernandez celebration. 
They're like the like so what yeah. you know you like put your arms out. I like the Marco. I rate him, but like know your place <laughs> when it comes to doing that shit. <laughs> Let me tell you, man. Demarco is a player I'd love to have. Hey, man. And I've been brilliant. I've been a fan of his since his loan at Verona. I thought mm. he was super and then so mm-hmm. versatile. As I remember you raving well. uh, raving about him, saying he's gonna yeah. bench Perisic. And it's a really weird situation. I found I find myself in um, because. I really rate DeMarco and I'm always telling Inter fans like, oh, I really like DeMarco and they go, really? We hate him. Like, <laughs> <laughs> agree, man. None of them, none of them quite like him. Um, we're currently watching Inter <laughs> Barcelona um, on our TV as we record and Inshallah Noglu just scored against Barcelona. So, What a goal, man. We're just saying how we're fans of certain Inter players. This obviously isn't a guy I'm much of a fan of but I always like it, uh, seeing Italian teams winning in, in the Champions League so yeah, it's quite nice isn't to be it? honest that puts a smile to my face no no I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not smiling <laughs> but congratulations um, well done Hakan well done Inter nine minutes later Paolo Dybala scored he got his yearly goal against Inter it was a half volley after a far post cross by Spinazzola um, Inter were disposed in their own half a persisting issue so to say, they have been losing the ball in the build-up quite a lot. Um, this time it was Hakan Chalanoglu. <laughs> and it fell to Spinazzola who whooped the ball in and a brilliant volley there by Debala. Right after the restart, Hakan smashed the woodwork from a fantastic free kick. Narrow miss there by him. And then in the 75th minute, Chris Smalling puts Roma ahead with a header after a beautiful free kick cross by Lorenzo Pellegrini from some distance, making it Roma 2, Inter 1. Yeah. What did you think, bro? So, I thought that Roma got the job done in classic Roma manner, you know, mm. through set pieces, through conceding possession, through taking fewer shots, you know what I mean? Um, through kind of counterplay, mm-hmm. very direct counter football, yeah. counter-attacking football. But, um, you know, I thought Inter started out really well, but kind of faded out as the game progressed. For sure. I think I don't think Inter had a bad game. I think, like you said, Roma did what they had to do. They did in, you said, Roma fashion. I would call it Mourinho yeah. fashion. So the counter-attack play was very obvious and very clear. And you could see that from the starting 11. You see Cristante and Matic in the middle to break down the play. And then you see Pellegrini playing in what could be called a false nine. Yeah. Um, and the pacey side with Spinazzola on one side, Celic on the other side. You know what I mean? Um, they absorbed pressure well. They conceded mm-hmm. early because of it, twice, you can say. Um, but they were dangerous. They were very dangerous when they got the ball. They they look so much more fluid on the ball than they did last season. They could switch play around. They can take on their men. This addition of Dybala has done them fucking wonders, man. It's changed their team completely. It really has, man. Um, and the fact that they kept the... Um, protagonists around him, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like uh, Pellegrini, Zaniol, of course, still there. Um, mm. And you know what, man? Very gutsy by Mourinho to bench Tammy Abraham, who quite frankly has been horrific. He has been horrific. You know, he's so wasteful, such a wasteful striker this season. And you know what? This might be what he needs, some time on the bench, some time to recompose himself, just watch from the from the sidelines, you know, um, mm-hmm. and get back into it slowly. Yeah, I think this was more of a, a tactical decision rather than a personnel, um, a, a change in personnel. Because otherwise, if, if Tammy wasn't playing well and he wanted to keep the same system, he would have started Bellotti. 
over here he's literally doing what we just said he's going for the counter attack man yeah. he's losing those three motherfuckers just speed because, like yeah speed technique long distance shots they're little yeah. guys that can really you know the the back three of inter is very physical one thing they're not as quick man it's true with the exception of maybe bastoni so having those three up against those three and then for the set plays you still have motherfuckers like Smalling. Yeah, Mancini, you motherfuckers Banyas, like Mancini Cristante, and the So I think Mourinho made made all the right decisions over here, easy to yes. say, after the game, obviously. Um, so that's Roma for you, pretty much. One thing I want to say in addition to this about Roma is Patricio was very fucking weak in this Bro, game. Patricio. And I don't think I remember, listen to me, I don't think I remember seeing him now, this is probably my negligence when watching mm. Roma or when watching football in general. But I can't remember the last time I saw Patricio make a good save. Like. I was about to say the same thing, bro. I man. think that every goal he's conceded this season has been soft pretty much. Hey, Against Udinese, like so many of them were man. soft as well. He's honestly, he doesn't extend as much as he should. Though. Almost know. the balls that are central still find a way in. You know, if it's mm-hmm. a shot on target that's slightly angled off the center, it's in against Patricio. He's been so shit this season. It's true, and I tweeted man. that out recently. Like, Patricio has been so, mm. has been asked this season. And someone told me, like, um, he's always been asked, bro. Has he <laughs> always I, I, been that's asked? That's the thing. I, I didn't watch him when For he was Portugal, with Wolves. he's good, man. Yeah. He's and with Wolves, football. he was highly rated. As well, so I don't as know. well, and 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 one reason he's so highly sought after is he's also good with his distribution, and that I see in him. To be honest, I don't see him mm. giving the ball away much from the back, at, at least from where I'm standing. But man, the, the, even even the original goal, the Zeko goal, I still think the man could have done better, yes. like to keep Same. the ball out. Really weak goalkeeping. It'll it'll be something addressed, but it doesn't seem like he has anyone that's going to challenge him yeah, for his spot it's Villar so. and the other guy the other young guy but they're no they're nowhere yeah, near I don't think it's Villar and, yeah. and the other guy have Boer I think yeah. his name yeah I think so yeah. I think so um, let's shift the focus to Inter slightly so we know Roma have improved we know they're doing what they have to do Inter on the other hand are now after 8 games 4 wins and 4 losses man they have a 50% you know, win win yeah. rate at the moment fifty percent losing rate and the no third the most goals conceded in the league. Mm-hmm. And an interesting stat I wanted to bring out is that Inter and Roma are two of the three teams that have conceded fewest goals compared to their first seven games of last Serie season. So they've dipped in how yeah. many goals they've scored, both of them, which is funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, Inter have been a bit shit, haven't they? They really have, um, and I think it can be blamed on many things. So. Notice how it took until the 73rd minute for an Inter player to get a yellow card. Yeah. So a few, I think it was last game, Inter. Um, mm. They got two yellow cards early on. Uh-huh. Bastoni and... Uh-huh. Um, Against Tudinez it was. Bastoni and... And, some, and, and Mkhitaryan. Mkhitaryan, exactly. And they were substituted in the 30th minute because of the yellows. Mm. The players might be thinking, we have to be careful when it comes to committing. Yeah. Um, we don't want to get replaced early on. And in, exactly. fact, in fact, you know, there's a lack of a certain aggression that was... Um, mm-hmm. That was prevail. That was predominant during uh, yeah. contest time in charge. Right? Uh-huh. For sure. Um, also, the fact that I think they really struggle without Brozovic. Now, now Aslan is a good player, but mm-hmm. uh, Brozovic is the heart and soul of this Inter team. He's the metronome. He, he does everything for, for this, this yeah. side. We give the man a lot of praise, but it's because he deserves it. Now, I'm not saying that everyone's been shit and Brozovic has been good because we've seen Brozovic dip as well. Yeah. 
particularly in the distribution side of it, his work ethic is always there. Um, but yeah, over overall, I think like you're saying, there's a lot of caution when it comes to Inter. And I think that comes from where you're saying it's coming from, uh, which is them being apprehensive in making challenges. But I also feel like it is now officially lack of confidence. And I think they need That's a probably. big midweek Champions League win to, to get over that. They've now been beaten by both Roman sides. And last season, both Roman sides were criticised for not getting points against the top seven teams. And they've exactly. both gotten full points against Inter. And bear in mind, Mourinho wasn't even on the bench for Rome on this game. He was, he was yeah. in the stands. But we've heard stories of him sneaking in. So <laughs> he was probably there in halftime. No? <laughs> probably came out of the cart or something. That's true. Um, I think Inter, Inter needs some good therapy at the moment. Yes. I think, I, genuinely, I think one thing that Simone Enzaghi lacks is that father-like figure. That father-like figure that Pioli brings about. That mm. father-like figure that Mourinho brings about. That Conte brought about. You know what I mean? So many, Klopp, so many of the big managers have that to their arsenal. I simply don't see Enzaghi being that guy. Um, the thing about Enzaghi is that before Inter, when, when the going got tough, they looked at their manager, they looked at Conte, they looked at his CV and they said, okay, if we, if we follow what this guy is telling us, if we mm. believe in him, if we show faith, we're going to get results. This guy yes. is a serial winner, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Inzaghi came in, who, whose CV is virtually empty. There's, yeah. there's the Coppa Italia victory and I think it ends there. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, at first, Conte's work continued to show in mm-hmm. Zaghi's work, you know what I mean? So they started off well, they had a great season, they they almost won the league mm-hmm. last season, mm-hmm. two points off. Oh, that's a very good season. But now, you know, they might be questioning, is this the guy that can take us forward? Is this the, the philosophy that we want? You yeah. know, not being able to go in for a 50-50 fucking challenge or being subbed out ah, early on. Uh, exactly, know? Some something that... He's too analytical. Yeah, that, that, that Conte would encourage exactly. at, at the end of the day. They have a versatile squad. I mean, they, they could afford a couple of suspensions and yellow cards here and there. But I, I think, like you said, Inter before played for Conte. Now they have to play with Inzaghi. They have to work yes. with Inzaghi to get points. They need to grow together as a unit rather than have someone lead them to glory. And True. you look to your side, and, and at the moment, it's an uninspiring Lukaku. Lautaro's either on or off. Dumfries has been singled out mm-hmm. massively by Inter fans. Every Inter fan I speak to have a problem with Dumfries, calling yeah. him a fucking donkey and, oh and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, he's not been as good this season, especially defensively, man, surprisingly. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. No, no, he's a, he's a train. Yeah. Down the right, he, you definitely can't complain about that. He's a box to box fence. He's, he's very similar to Calabria mm. in that sense, constantly up and down. But his defensive, he's like Calabria, uh, but with an athlete's physique. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, exactly. They're missing Lukaku for sure. It has to be said as well. Um, Zeko needs a. Sorry, they though. I haven't seen much from Lukaku yet this season. Granted, too. but he needs he needs momentum. He needs to get going. No, he just needs mm-hmm. games. Lukaku, I, I believe. Granted, he doesn't seem to be the same Lukaku yeah. that we, that uh, we but, but to be fair, he does bring a spark because of his relationship mm. with Lautaro, his very intimate yes. relationship with, with Lautaro. Extremely. Extremely intimate. Close there. <laughs> but I think that's, that's Inter-Roma for you. Um, Inter are now in ninth place. Like I said, that's four wins, four losses for them. They've conceded 13 goals and scored 14. It's a bit shambolic for them. Two losses in a row now. I'm sure they'll bounce back, but they're on 12 points in ninth, ninth place. 
Roma are in sixth on 16 points, just one point behind Milan and Lazio. Speaking of Milan, the next game we're going to be covering is Empoli 1, Milan 3. It was a great response at the end of the day by Milan following their 2-1 loss to Napoli. Um, A big scare over here, but we'll we'll get into that very soon. (laughs) Uh, Milan had lost just one of their last 11 Serie A matches against Empoli coming into this game. Mm. Um, They had won six and drawn four. This loss came in April 2017. It was a 2-1 loss. Okay. Since 2019, listen to this. Empoli's Mattia Destro has scored the joint most goals against Milan in Serie A. Four goals alongside Lukaku and the Mobile. This is the most since 2009 that Milan have conceded Jesus. against. Jesus. Yes. Um, was this after he played for Milan or was it before? Um, so it's after, after. After, because 2019. 2019. Yes, yes, yes. Uh-huh. That's mad. But yeah, let's talk about revenge, or Lex, anything <laughs> you want to call it. It's quite crazy. <laughs> Milan just fucked themselves there. So... Milan lined up with Tatarasano in goal, Calabria on the right, Balotura on the left, and Tomori and Kier as a centre-back duo. Benasser and Tonali were in the double pivot over there with Salamakers on the right and Leao on the left, De Catalara in the middle with Giroud up front. Um, half of those guys dropped dead halfway through the game, <laughs> by the way. We'll get into that shortly too. Vicario on goal for Empoli, Parisi on the left, Stojanovic on the right, Luperto and De Winter at the back. Um, Henderson, Grassi and Haas as the midfield trio with Piaka in front of them, Lammers and Satriano up front. Good team. Good team, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the game was at a standstill until the 79th minute when Rebic came off the bench and scored, basically. It was a very streetwise throw-in by Tonali against the run of play. Mm-hmm. Uh, he caught Empoli lacking, uh, napping, yeah. while Leao so had smart. made a very clever run-in behind. Um, he threw the ball to Leao. Leao, of course, ever so dominant when he gets the ball, you can't really dispossess him. He took the ball to the box, squared it to Rebic, and Rebic tapped it home. Yeah. Now, Milan had thought that they'd won it, but in the 92nd minute, there was some drama. Um, Empoli had a free kick on the edge of the area by Rami, stepped up to take it, and he curled it into the top corner. Scenes, they've done it. They've secured the mm-hmm. point. You know, the, the honestly, everyone believed that yeah, at the time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, the, the vibes were immaculate over, <laughs> over there um, because he's Zanetti fucking jumping around. Anyway, in the 93rd minute, just a minute after this disaster for Milan, um, Leao launched a long ball. Krunic stepped up, jumped, heroic header to the uh, far post, and Balotura was there to flick it into the back of the net instantly on the restart man from kickoff that from, was literally fucking from, crazy man and then Empoli were they felt hard done by they were attacking trying to get something out of the game all of a sudden Milan are on the break Rebic plays Leao through quick counter um, Leao basically drives the whole way and chips the goalkeeper and insane it's a goal. insane goal that, that's an honourable mention for sure yeah um, for, for goal of the week just taking everything into account you know, the finish, the fact that he was smiling before he did, exactly. which he, he always is. He had so much left to do. Yeah, yeah. But And and even just the, the stage it was in, just like killing it off. And what, what a game. I mean, for 70 minutes, I would say, as Milan fans, anxiety. Yes. Just anxiety mm-hmm. for 70. When, when the 70th minute mark hits and it's still nil-nil, we're like, okay, one Here of those. Off to the 80th. Literally. And then off to the 90th. And then we cry. Exactly. Um, 
But yeah, if you if you switched your TV off because it was a boring nil nil, oh what a mistake you made, man! Because <laughs> 70th minute onwards, that was mayhem. Honestly, we went through all the emotions, and, and the girls were watching in. watching it with us, and and they said as well, like they they said you experienced so much emotion in 20 minutes mm. over there, less than 20 minutes. Then with them with the yeah, that's football. You didn't know that. No, <laughs> you didn't. You didn't fucking know you that. Didn't know that, dude. <laughs> what the fuck do you think we're always on our ass watching this? Because that's <laughs> shit. This is Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> Anyway, Milan were wasteful, bro. It has to be said. Milan were very wasteful. Uh-huh. Um, Leao and Salamakers in the first half had golden chances. Yeah. And they, they fucked them, quite frankly. Um, this needs to improve, you know. I mean, it can't be you have an empty net and you fucking don't score. Leo. Granted, it was an amazing save by Vicario with his leg to stop it, but you know, that, that mm. needs to go in. Um, Salamakers need, needed to hit the target in his chance. He yeah. was basically one on one on the right hand side, mm-hmm. and he slotted it. He tried to place it, and it just went yeah. just wide. And no, Salamakers, in my opinion, had had quite a good game. He was one of our more yeah. dangerous players, especially when we explore that avenue on the right hand side. That obviously, you know, Milan aren't too keen on utilizing yeah. for very obvious reasons. Um, but he's been giving us a little bit of something, Salamakers, and as soon as he, he does that, obviously. Goes down in dread and he's out till 2023. Yes. Alongside Calabria. Calabria believe, also, right? yes. Calabria tore his hamstring, I believe. Fuck. Full on tore it. Um, Fuck. It looked fucking brutal. He had to be stretched off, in fact. Jesus. He was just running. He started limping like he's hit the ground on one of their attacks. Calabria, I send you a kiss to your hamstring, my brother. <laughs> Hope you get well soon, Capitano. Yes, and please write to us. It's been a while. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, Empoli had a penalty shout, um, which I, I was convinced this was a penalty for Empoli. I, I um, was not, bro. We were on such opposing yeah. sides of that when it happened. Until further inspection. It's the camera angles, man. Mm-hmm. Um, there was an angle that showed what really happened. It was quite clear. It hit his back first. It hit his back, then it came off his arm. Mm. That, that's mm. what happened. And that, by definition, by law, is not a penalty. Exactly. And, and plus, I mean, his hand. I'm not saying it was against his body because it wasn't against his body it was however in line with his body it was there was no extension of the arm mm. outwards if the ball kept on going it would have hit his body yeah you, you know what i'm saying it's still somewhat of an interference that would but have been i love the fact that referees are capable even with var in place to say okay no but what can they do over there and, and it has the human aspect to football because otherwise it would just be a bit unfair and we've seen harsh ones like that um, being given and, and I'm just glad that, that in this case Milan weren't on the receiving end of it yeah at the end of the day what goes to VAR is it still the clear and obvious area thing um, I hate the topic of VAR of course it's so annoying <laughs> yeah <laughs> because it's so inconsistent it's talking right? about it's a, a fucking computer area. like exactly. you know what I mean exactly but anyway um, end of the day not a penalty yeah Bayrami bro why does Bayrami come off the bench I don't know man he's, he's the he's, best player he's, he's very good I mean we saw it last season as well. I was baffled. He had the opening nine games. I remember he was mental. By Rami. I remember everyone talking about Bayrami and Aramu. Mm-hmm. Everyone fucking raving about them. And then just suddenly, what, is he injured? Is he getting phased out? Is he moving to Lazio? There was that whole thing about yeah. him moving to Lazio. Um, and I had, no, he's, he's just chilling on the bench, yeah. like... He, he comes on, on almost every single game. Like, mm-hmm. That's the thing. And you see he, what he can do, man. He came on, he outmuscled Tonali, found himself one on one, of course, a fantastic Madonna. save by Tatarasano, who, by the way, decent Love performance. Tatarasano. Tata, uh-huh. as usual. The only time I don't like him is when he has to come out to handle a cross. Uh-huh. That's and I, and like I hate how it's like he's a solid goalkeeper. He, like, 
I remember watching the parade Milan did where they were walking out, they were getting the round of applause mm-hmm. um, and their winner's medal, basically. Um, and I remember Tatarasano walked out and I'm like, fucking right, give that man a medal. Like, he played his part. Fucking you right. know what I mean? He played his part and he played it well. He comes on when Manian's injured and, and he stops one-on-ones. He has some heroic saves. Um, I hate how he is a string and it just looks like when the ball hits him, he's going to like you know, yes. curl up and, and, and it was going to go through him. He looks very flimsy. And in fact, there was a, a shot that went straight to him that almost went under his legs. I'm like, fuck, that's what I'm talking about. You don't have that security with him in goal because of the way he saves the shots. Yeah. Um, I think he could have set his wall up better in Bayrami's goal. No Empoli had three men on the on, in the wall, all blocking his view. Yeah. It's true, no, I mean, obviously he's the backup goalkeeper at the end of the day, no? Mm-hmm. So we can't really go too hard on him, especially when he saved the Absolutely the not, absolutely saved. not. So yeah, power to Tata. Power to Tata. I like that. <laughs> Tonali, bro, um, his throw-in, man, that, that was something, that, that was so streetwise. Like, this team knows how to win. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, before it would be, you know, you have to squeeze, you're trying to squeeze water out of a rock trying to get a victory. <laughs> now it's like you you see an opportunity like like uh-huh. this one and you just take it and, and you fucking get a cheeky goal. Like yeah. that's not something I've seen from Milan in a long hey, time. Hey man, that's, that opportunism, corner taking yeah. quickly or Rigi type. Exactly. And, and it's not even like I wouldn't single out either Leao for making the round. I wouldn't single out Tonali for spotting. It's just the level of communication eh, between these guys. Mm-hmm. Literally, literally. It's, it's Leao going, <laughs> He probably didn't even shout Because the defense would have heard him Like probably just spotted him He saw his eager face And the defense made it back in time It's just Leao is such an extraterrestrial He just out-muscled and kept them off Even if you catch up to Leao Half the work isn't even done When you catch up to him It's crazy My god man Anyway um, Manian, Theo Hernandez, Calabria, Salamakers, Origi, Zlatan um, These guys were all injured uh, this game, Allegri said a couple of weeks ago, remove five starters from Milan and enter and see what happens with them. Um, that's five starters for Milan. There you they go. Won. There you go. And let me tell you what, I want to highlight Balotoure. Not yeah. for his goal, but for his goal as well, obviously. It's, it's great stuff, his first goal for Milan, first goal in Serie A. Um, but he had a fucking good game. He did. He we've we've talked shit, and, and rightly so, because he was shambolic before. He had a fucking good game. But Very we have game. we have said that like he's barely had a chance to express himself. Yes, no, yes, I mean, for sure. When he when he played, it was always in the absence of Theo, so everyone was upset, and he was mm. a scapegoat. No, yeah. Um, but this was a good performance. Like, he's a capable fullback. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? Even even going forward, he has yeah. that thing where he knocks the ball forward and tries to beat his man for pace. That's why uh-huh. not. It works. Uh-huh. Um, one thing that uh, this reminded me of this game, bro. Um, last year, Pioli said that this was a scudetto that everyone contrib- contributed to. Mm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. uh, from Castillejo to Daniel Maldini exactly. to Kronich to Tatarasanu, all the fringe exactly. players managed to contribute something to the Scudetto. This game gave me shades of that. Tatarasanu with the saves, Balotore with the gold. You know what I mean? Like- and this brother, th- this goes back to what I was saying last week, if you guys heard it through all the interference that we were having. Um, <laughs> It is the best time to be a Milan fan. You have an entire squad that has belief in the coach, belief in each other. They play for the badge. You know what I mean? No one is there for their rise to fame. Now, obviously, I'm being a little bit, take it with a pinch of salt Mm -hmm. because there are some superstars that I see leaving on a free Mm -hmm. in the near future. (laughs) Um, But 
the attitude does not mirror that. And that Kessie was a professional until the day that exactly. he left. He kept he wore his heart on the sleeve until the very end. He had the final salute at the mape. Exactly. Exactly. So well, screaming while watching. Mm-hmm. I, I don't miss him though, man, is the thing. I mean I don't I don't particularly miss him because things are still going well exactly. for Milan. And, and I'm, but I'm, what a I'm so enamored by the replacements. Like Adli uh-huh. and Pobega are so exciting. Mm-hmm. You know, and Tonali and Benasser, of course, can watch them grow. Before it was always a question who's gonna play Tonali mm-hmm. or Benasser. Now it's yeah. a little bit less complicated. Exactly. But anyway, I want to praise Empoli's approach. They came to party, they didn't come to sit back uh-huh. and just take it, you know, they came. With the desire to attack, to play positive football, the mm. kind of approach that Zanetti tends to take. Exactly. Um, classic Empoli, basically, they played very well. Zanetti would be very good in a better squad. <laughs> <laughs> if he had a better squad, his style of play would do bits for them. True. But potentially, he has to work his way to earn it. Yeah. Um, okay, the next three things I've said aren't about the game specifically. They're just okay. about um, Milan uh, and Empoli in general. So the next one is Empoli's Fabiano Parisi, bro, has completed mm-hmm. the most dribbles in Serie A this season. Fuck. 14 dribbles. More than Gvara and Leao. More than them. <laughs> Among defenders in the big five leagues in 2022-2023, only Jeremy Frimpong and Nuno Tavares have completed more. Okay. 18 and 17. Okay. And Parisi has completed 14. So he's having a great season, Parisi, as well. A very exciting prospect. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I want to highlight Milan's partnership with Off-White, that drip-looking swag. That drip is looking swag, huh? God knows how much that's going to be. Yeah? Those jackets are going to be so expensive. I want one, man. I want one big time. And this is my annual fuck you to Antonio Cassano. <laughs> fuck you. What he do this time? <laughs> he, he, I don't know who keeps interviewing this guy. Well, to be honest, he's on Bobo TV, you know, with, uh, with Vieri. Mm. Um, he said, this is a quote from Cassano. He's got his ass on his head. He's talking about Leo. He plays with his head down. I haven't seen him make a difference. He plays in Italy in a poor oh, league. More. For me, Rashford is much stronger than Leo. Stop it, you fucking alcoholic. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, man. Like, my God, everything you no, said was wrong. Literally, like, literally. He hasn't seen him make a difference. Has he, he, won, he won Milan the league. For Milan. Has he won Rashford. You taking the piss? Italy is a shit league. All right, ah, because he went to Real, no? Yes, yes, he spent a couple right. of seasons at Real. Ah, okay. So Italy is suddenly a shit league. These old timers like to say how the league was better in their time. Huh? Of course. Even of though course. I remember him being fat, smoking, having a heart failure, and scoring goals <laughs> for us, so he can go fuck himself. But anyway, I, ra- I rated Cassano. Yes, I, I, I love Cassano player. as a player, but I'm not, not as a pundit. Uh, fucking no, as a pundit, he's a weird he's guy. A, tumor, like, anyway. a weird guy. Um, that's basically it for this game. Unless there's anything else you would like to add? No, I think you explained it very elegantly. Thank you very much. Milan sit fifth with 17 points, while Empoli are 15th with 7 points. There you go. The next game is the league leaders, Napoli, beating Torino 3 goals to 1. And of course, they beat them 3 goals to 1 because Torino haven't won a game at the Maradona since May of 2009. Give them... A break. <laughs> Napoli were coming off a 2-1 away win in San Siro against the champions in Milan, handing them their first and only defeat until now. Um, third loss in a row for Torino, following losses to Inter and Sassuolo. But to be honest, they have had some very tough encounters for the time being. For Napoli, it's a classic 4-3-3. Meret in goal with Rui and Di Lorenzo in left back and right back. with Rui Dono. Ru- bro, fucking Ru- Rui Dono. Let me tell you what. I remember Benzema for Real, they threw everyone at him. They signed so many motherfuckers. 
And he stayed there. He stayed up front. Yeah. He beat everyone for the, the throne. Rui, Same throw thing. another left back at him. Yeah. Throw bring another in all the Oliveras you want. He's going to turn into fucking Roberto Carlos the second you bring him in. <laughs> exactly. And yeah, they're a really good game. Um, <laughs> we just saw. <laughs> so, um, well, uh, the man of the hour, apparently, Charanoglu, <laughs> attempting a very funny um, shot. And yeah, he got, he got a bit confused. Um, Minja and Rahmani at the back as well. The best midfield in the league, <laughs> potentially. Zielinski, Lobotka and Anguissa together with Gvaratskelia, Raspadori and Politano up front. Of course, Ozyman is still out with his hamstring injury. Um, for Torino, it's Vanya in goal with Gigi, Bongiorno and Rodriguez at the back. Singo and Lazar out wide with Lukic and Linetti in the middle. Miranchuk back from injury alongside Vlasic with Sanabria. Up front, of course, Torino still missing Pellegri, Voivoda. And the biggest loss probably for them is Ricci. Mm. Now, the game kicked off and instantly, sixth minute, Anguissa scored <laughs> again. A brilliant header following a Rui cross who linked up really well with Gvara. There was a long ball to, to switch play. Rui did well to get to it and headed to Gvara. Little one-two over there. Crosses it to... Um, Zambo Anguissa, who makes no mistake over there. Six minutes later, great run by Anguissa, who looked like fucking Ozzyman, to be honest, carrying yeah. the ball forward. He ran the full length of the from the halfway line onwards, essentially. And he beat Vanya Milinkovic-Savic at the near post very cleverly. He has this thing, he never smashes the ball. He, he places it always. And he placed he's it... He's very elegant, man. Oof, he's, he's so good, he's super. His finishing is... Superb man, and a brilliant finish for him there. Two great goals, two striker goals by by Zambong. He, he came, he entered this game with with it in his mind. I think, I, I think he just wanted to score. Mm. It was clear from the get go he was advancing and he was hungry. Yeah, and he looked fucking dangerous. You know, he, he wasn't selfish with it at all. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to get into uh, Anguissa after the game because I genuinely think he's being utilized in such a different manner mm-hmm. to that he was being utilized last year. And it's funny because not much has changed in the midfield. True. Um, just Lobotka has fucking gotten seven years of experience since last season for some fucking reason. Um, but yeah, we'll get into Anguissa very soon. Um, just before half time, 37th minute, um, Gvaratskelia scored. Of course, he finished from a super tight angle after carrying the ball forward. It was pretty much a goal from nothing, man. He just gets himself into a semi decent position and he ends up putting the ball into the back of the yeah. net. That's Gvaratskelia for you. Um, actually, this is just before the break in the 44th minute. Sanabria scored. There was some confusion in Napoli's box and it led to Sanabria letting fly and beating Meret for power. He got a significant hand to it, but it didn't stop the ball from hitting the back of the net. Um, later on, Juric was sent off for a descent after Sango went down when being chased by Rui and the ref waved play on. Clearly, Juric disagreed. He probably told him to go fuck himself and he got <laughs> sent off. What is it with these Italian referees, man? Mm. Always getting sent off. The Italian managers, you mean? Oh, sorry, yeah, the the uh, Italian managers. Juric ain't no motherfucking Italian. Well, where's Juric from again? Juric, uh, itch. 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 Okay. Croatia, I see. <laughs> <laughs> that's how simple my brain works. He's Croatian. Oh, my. So. Fan- fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> you see? You use simplicity in life and you use common sense and you'll get somewhere. Yeah. Um, Big win for Napoli, of course, Torino is no easy feat. However, we have seen them struggle a bit when teams are better than them, to be quite frank. But a deserved win, 
an obvious and clear win for Napoli. However, Torino didn't go down without a fight. What did you make of this game, essentially? So Torino are by no means an easy side and they were against, they came against a Napoli team who have been on great form currently as yeah. we speak. You might not be aware of this because I checked my phone very, very quickly. They're currently beating Ajax 4-1 in the Champions League Ois. as well as away from home. Raspadori, so Di Lorenzo, Zielinski, my God, all those were... They've right. become a unit and this is without, of course, Victor Oziman. Who's wow. injured? So they know. they came in looking decent, looking inspired. You know, a, a fit team. While Torino, as you mentioned, have quite a few absentees, and mm-hmm. they had Miranchuk starting, who's just come back from injury yeah. as well. Um, you know, Lazaro out wide, who hasn't quite settled in yet either. So mm-hmm. they were a bit shakier this time, Torino. Um, I thought they'd give them more of a fight to be honest like, because the party started early on and i think napoli hit them so hard that they shocked them they yeah. pretty much d- decided yeah. the game early on um but but yeah I, I mean solid win for napoli against a very tough side yeah i think in the second half then because the game was pretty much killed off at half killed off they were winning 3-1 at half time what napoli then did is they allowed torino to play you know torino they, they had 51% ball position. They got 16 shots away, but three of them were on target. So at the end of the day, Napoli are like, okay, we've got a midweek against Ajax. Let's fucking take it easy. Let's, let's exactly. sit the fuck back. And still Torino weren't really capable of doing anything over there. Of course, if you look at the highlights, you're going to see a lot of attempts here and there for Torino. But believe me, there was no point where Napoli were stressed out in this game. Yeah, not, yeah, at all, like, not at all. Not at all. I want to. In fact, they had three shots on target, Torino. One of them was a goal. Exactly, exactly. Um, On the same topic, Torino, I think a little bit more of squad depth and they'll be way stronger than they are. I think essentially they have a good starting 11. Of course, it would help if they replace um, Bremer and they replace Bellotti, but they still have a lot of quality over there. I think with a bit more depth, considering the injuries that they have, they'll be be somewhat Gucci. Anguissa, let's move to Napoli a bit. Anguissa, he was always good in his role, but there's a bit more magic mm. this year. I remember last year I had him on Fanta, and I'm like, okay, this is the guy I have because he plays, right? Even though it was the African mm. Cup of Nations last year. Like, this guy fucking plays, right? Yeah. He's not going to contribute much, but he fucking plays. Same reason I had Bakayoko the year before. Um, but this year, something has changed. He's in the final third, man. He's yeah, always in the liberty final third, to go like. forward. What it seems maybe Lobotka sitting deeper has given him more freedom. With Lobotka Ruiz's sitting departure. deeper, and then you have him and Zielinski that are very offensive, man. Mm-hmm. Very offensive. I think Zielinski is the the mezzala slash trequartista, depending on the day. While Anguissa is that box to box midfielder. Yeah, literally that, um, that that that's not shy of going forward, mm-hmm. especially and he plays so many lateral passes mm-hmm. that you almost see people running away from him when he's making the run it's on the second true. goal. It's like they were anticipating the pass and he just ran into the pocket. Ben it's said true. It sometimes. It's, it's true. true. The pockets of space, he, he mm. lives in those pockets, man. The runs into the pockets are mental. Pockets, pockets, pockets. 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 Yeah. You're um, first. <laughs> <laughs> and we're on the topic of this with their midfield and everything. The balance in Napoli's team is unreal, man. They have such good balance in their team. I mean, they have a very, very, very commanding defense. Mm-hmm. Tough motherfuckers all around, and they have like Di Lorenzo, who's very good defensively, and then they have Mario Rui, who's a creative outlet going forward with that fucking sweet left foot. If, I'm being, if I'm being honest, um, Rahmani and Minjay actually complement each other really, really well. 
I haven't seen a defender alongside Rahmani that Rahmani doesn't complement well, by it's the way. True, He's good it's at true. Uh, Rahmani is very good. Two at the back. Like, their midfield, as we just said, Mamma Mia, mm-hmm. Lobotka sitting deep, Anguissa box to box, pocket, pocket, pocket. Um, Zielinski, we all know what he's capable of. And then Gvara, Ozimen, or Raspadori, or Simeone. And then there's Politano, Lozano. or Lozano, Elmas. or Elmas. <laughs> they have so many options. Madonna, they're fucking, they scared the living shit out of me, man. They're a good team. And this is them without Ozimen. So, uh, I think Napoli, you know, th- this could very much be the season that they lose that bottle mentality that they have. Um, it's just a matter of can they stay fit? Can they stay alive? doesn't really matter because I've got all the squad depth in the world. But they're currently in first. They're one of two unbeaten sides in Serie A. They're on 20 points and they're on a four-match winning streak. Torino are in 10th, not too bad for them. And they're on 10 points. Moving on to the next game, Atalanta won Fiorentina nil. Coming into this match, Fiorentina had won their previous two Serie A games against Atalanta, having lost each of their previous three. Um, Fiorentina were unbeaten in eight of their last ten Serie A away games against Atalanta coming into this game. So mm-hmm. this was a little bit of a difficult game for Atalanta historically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, not this year. Not this year, exactly. They're against a different Atalanta this year. Mm-hmm. It took to the 59th minute for Atalanta to score through Lukman. Um Muriel got the ball from a throw-in at the byline, somehow deleted two players and passed <laughs> it around the third um, into a pocket of space between another two players to find Lukman who slots at home. So Muriel on his own took out five men pretty mm. much with the dribble and the pass. Right, click, move to Ben. Honestly, he's he was on form this game. He's my man of the match for this game. He was incredible was with Luis Muriel. He was back at his best. So it's very exciting to see. But anyway, yes, for some reason I told you the play-by-play before I told you how they lined up. So we'll do that very quickly. Um, Atalanta had Sportiello and goal for this one. Scalvini, Ocoli and Toloe as a three at the back. Um, Soppi on the left, Hatteber on the right with Coop Miners and Darun in the middle. Ederson as the attacking midfielder, Muriel and Lukman up front. Terracciano on goal for Fiorentina with Venuti on the right, Braghi on the left. Uh, we've got Igor and um, Lu- Martinez Quarta at the back. Mm-hmm. A midfield three of Barak, Mandragora, Bonaventura, Econa on the right, Saponara on the left, and Kwame up front. Where did they get this shit from? Saka, Martinez, Cuarta, no, fuck it, Julio. Julio. <laughs> no, Julio is Igor. Martinez, Cuarta is through Ah, Mar- Martinez. Ah, Julio is Igor. Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> Julio is Igor. Yeah, I don't know why. Yeah. Anyway, um, it was a very interesting match. Very fun to watch. Um, basically, what we've been beating our heads against the wall about fucking Atalanta has come through yet again. Um, a mature side, they went from being this crazy team that would destroy defenses. They were basically a blitzkrieg, you know? They, yeah. they, were, they would fuck you up. They have become this defensive, pragmatic team. Mm-hmm. Um, 20 points after eight games, their best ever Serie A start to a season. In this game, for example, they conceded 62% of the ball possession that went to Fiorentina. Have have 62% of the ball, no problem. Literally. No problem. Um, They had five shots on target, each team. But overall, at the end of the day, Atalanta were the streetwise ones. They were the ones who came out on top. Um, They should have also probably had a penalty in the first half. There was a handball Mm, on an mm. extended arm. It was really, the arm, it came off his body, granted, but the arm was so extended, it looked like it was an Ah, an unnatural position. Literally, the arm was in an unnatural Mm. position over there. So, uh ref knows more than me, but yeah. 
they've conceded three goals so far in the league, bro, Atalanta. The least by far. Like, I think the next is six and it's Napoli, literally. But that's that's crazy. Like, Madonna, man. I've done some some research. Okay. To go into, like, why Atalanta are doing well, what changed statistically. Mm. So, in 2019-2020, they used to take 18.4 shots per match, Atalanta. Okay. They are My current, God. They are currently taking 11 shots per match. Okay. And 11 shots per match right now is the 15th highest in the league. So they've Madonna. literally gone down to 15th place when it comes Madonna. to shooting. Um, before, they used to prioritize shots from outside the area. Long-ranged efforts. Mm. Papua and the literature in particular. Just literally. Shoot, shoot, shoot. These literally. rockets. We saw them trying that last season with Malinowski as well. Exactly. But it wasn't quite the same, was it? Uh, Malinowski yeah. is quite... Um, Quite a one-trick pony when it comes to the way he can hit it from out of the air. Yeah. You know, like he's easy to to stop from doing that. Well, not I'm not going to say he's easy at stopping, but he's easier than electrician Papu who have that element uh, of unpredictability. It's, exactly, it's his. <coughs> the main thing he has at his arsenal is a hard, accurate shot. Yes, Papu can take on a man. Ilicic mm. would fucking just randomly shoot. You know what I mean? Not when he's in the position to shoot. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, uh huh, I agree with you there. Their ball possession is 10% lower than last season. Madonna. They went from 54 to 44% ball possession, which means that they concede possession every single game. They give it up. They're like, you know, you take the ball, you play. Come at us, come at us. We'll, we'll win this eventually. Yeah. They're defending much deeper, bro, which is very clear to see. Before, they had their mm-hmm. three defenders at the halfway line each match and Toloi advancing pretty it's much, true. taking it in turns to make runs a lot forward. Mm-hmm. But now they're very different. Um, I think last season was a freak season for Atalanta, right? They were kind of at an identity crisis, I believe. Um, the season before, they were this blitzkrieg of an offensive team that made it with, to the Champions with, League quarterfinals. Literally, with a prime Gossens yeah. in their team. With, with just everyone, just attack, 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 attack. They were exhausting to play against. Everyone loved watching them. They were yeah. so much fun. Last season, they tried to do that. Realized they couldn't. Tried a more pragmatic approach, but didn't fully commit to it. Gasparini spoke out against it, saying that it's not his style and he doesn't believe mm. that's a beautiful way of playing. Um, but they didn't get results. They didn't even get a spot in Europe. Mm. Now, this year, Gasparini has fully committed to this fucking system, bro. Mm-hmm. 64 mm. years old, 299 matches in charge of Atalanta, and he changes his ways to adapt to the players in front of him. Honestly, credit it's to a, Gasparini. Yeah, it's, it's a very respectable move. By him, and we said this a lot about managers. Managers that are able to adapt to the team, now they try to change the entire system to suit their system. Essentially, um, I think a lot has to be said about that. Is I think Atalanta were that side that, especially last season, bro. At a point, they had nine starters out injured. Yes, that's and true. I think I mean, the fact that was, exactly think, yeah. that they're running less, that they're attacking less, so on, so forth, and they're capable of spending a lot of time off the ball and still controlling the game obviously results in less injuries and I can't help but point out that before Atalanta were known for their super wing play and now they're not limited in that area but let's just say they'd rather keep those guys back yeah uh, especially in Hatteber for example they're you can just get hustling, out quite like a bit. hustling defensively pr- primarily exactly and it's hilarious because you look at Coop Miner and Derun um well Derun is is very much someone that breaks down play mm-hmm. um Coop Miner is can't put a finger on it. If Coop, I'm, if Coop I'm being honest, can do anything, anything, literally anything. Anything you need a midfielder the, to do, he's good at it. Literally. It's as simple as that. He's not. 
particularly brilliant at anything, but he's not terrible at anything. Yeah, he's really weird name, huh? Coop Miners. Coop, man. Coop, Coop Miners is such a strange name. It is a strange name. <laughs> Would you rather have that surname or yours, Fennec? Matt Coop Miners. Oh, fuck. It's quite it's way cooler, that, actually. That bro. is way cooler Matt than Coop Fennec. Miners. I, have, I can't have a rabbit tattoo. You could either be Il Coop or Il Miners. <laughs> Il Miners is a little bit. Uh-huh. Dodgy. Yeah, it's it's sketchy. Why is he called Miners? Just say he loves them fresh. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, Atalanta, fun fact about them this season, they are third in successful dribbles in the league. I didn't expect that. But then if you is look it because at they team, haven't been having many attempts in dribbles, though, and their players have very much got it to their arsenal, I think that would be it. Um, no, I think it's a, it's a ratio. So it's not like... Exactly. So uh, out of their attempted mm. dribbles, they would have the most successful ones because they're not okay, trying dribble, many. It's true. But then they've got that there are still like Muriel has gotten his art, Lookman. I think they have very Edison. technical players as well, uh-huh. to be honest. Very well, true. That's an interesting thing. I'll check that out. Mm-hmm. One thing I want to mention about Fiorentina, bro. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a team that are playing for their strikers, but their strikers you just can't. They can't, yeah. they can't involve themselves. They can't fucking do anything. Now, Cabral, when he was signed by Fiorentina, it was, the choice was, should Fiorentina keep Cabral or should they keep Piontek? Mm-hmm. Cabral had scored a bucket load of goals in, yeah. in the Europa League back then. And he was a beast. He came to Fiorentina. He looked hungry. He looked fucking ready to go. Like, it hasn't fucking worked out for him at all so far. No. And I think currently in the pecking order, he's third choice. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. Yes. He is. Kwame, Kwame started this game. Jovic technically is the starter. Uh-huh. Cabral has fallen to third choice. Uh-huh. Jovic hasn't exactly hit the ground running. Eh? But, but like like you're saying, I mean, they have so much talent up front and they have talent all around. Don't, don't get me wrong. In defense I mean, a bit less, but yes, uh-huh. I agree. Um, but uh-huh. we, we have to remember as well that, okay, it's all well and good to have good attacking players, but Italy is a very tactical league. It's a league that prioritizes defense over attack. This goes back to the 80s. It goes back to the 70s. Italy has always been known as that league and it still very much is that league. It's a tactical game. Mm-hmm. So Italiano is a very tactical coach, but it just seems like those guys up front are letting him down. And I would say that those, the, the front three, now it's either Italiano's decisions on who he's deploying. I feel like th- there's so much depth up front He's spoiled for a choice. And they're three completely different strikers. Literally. Literally. That's not only the strikers. I even, even for example, the whole Saponara, Gonzalez, Sotil. The, mm-hmm. Like, who the hell do you play over there? Gonzalez, it's like he doesn't exist anymore. Uh-huh. He's a fan favorite, man. It's He's a, a fan favorite. Honestly, Everyone raves it's, it's about true. him. Like. It's quite weird how he hasn't quite been at the service of his team. Mm-hmm. Um, a stat about Jovic, bro, we're just speaking about him. This season, he has had 130 touches in Serie A, 16 mm. touches in the opposition box. Oh. Fewer than any other outfield player with at least 440 minutes of football. I, d- I doubt that's his fucking. Uh, that's his problem. Uh, there seems to be such a. It's lack a tactical of issue if your striker exactly. can't touch the ball. But they, they, they signed Barak. For that reason, to get the ball to the striker, the link, yeah. and that's that's still simply not happening, man. It's an odd one with Fiorentina. It's, it's a very odd one. I just hope they keep the faith in Italiano because I do think he can turn things around. 
Yeah, I believe uh, actually it, Italiano can even upgrade from from mm-hmm. the team he's at right now. I feel like if if Inter or Juve have enough now, mm, a little bit debatable because obviously no mm. real European experience, but he's th- a top level manager. I Italiano. think it'll be considered if there are financial problems. Mm. So, for example, if Juve actually do bite the bullet and pay that fuck ton of money they have to pay to get rid of Allegri, maybe Italiano is a low low cost mm. option. You he's know he's I mean? young as well, yeah. Italiano. Yeah. He's young as well. So if he picks it up with Fiorentina, I definitely see him slotting in, in yes. one of the top teams, man. Saponara had three shots on target this game. Wee. The joint the most this match day. There you go. But the other two who scored were who had three shots were Thordsvet and Pessina, and they both scored. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> but Saponara has been looking more alive and more involved. I do sense a goal coming. Yeah, he's he's, he's, he's growing into uh, it, man. He's he is. growing into it. He is, and even Akon is kind of growing into it slowly. This was by no means an easy game for them, and to be honest, they played quite well. Fiorentina on this one. one of the tougher so, games this season. Thus yes, far, man. one of the exactly probably the toughest mm. one so far. A point I wanted to bring up as well about Jovic. Yes, sorry, please. is that no last year as well? You can't forget that maybe they weren't so creative after all, Fiorentina. Maybe it was Vlaovic carrying the ball forward for them. But there was a lot of service to him and many penalties. Yeah, but his movement is unparalleled, Mm, man. You can't compare fucking anyone's. It's him and Ozzyman when it comes to movement and Chiro. Um, uh So maybe they weren't that creative to get go. Maybe they need some some guy to take a bit of initiative Mm -hmm. up front as well, not expect all the service in the world. So that's some food for thought Mm. as well. It would be good for Fiorentina if they got um, Cabral or Jovic Kicking because I think that Quam is very good on the right, much better yeah. than he is as a striker. Oh, definitely, by the way. definitely. Yeah, so that's basically the game. Um, Atalanta are currently joint first; they're technically in second place with twenty points, while Fiorentina are in eleventh with nine points. The next game we're going to be covering is Juve three. Bologna nil. Both sides were coming off a loss over here. We had Juve's embarrassing loss to Monza, uh, whilst Bologna coming off an embarrassing loss to Empoli, you can say, considering the players that Bologna have in their team. Um, obviously, with their new manager, um, they've suffered two losses now under Tiago Motta, but obviously time will tell and we'll see what he can do. So starting 11 for Juve, Szczesny in goal, he's back from injury. A back four of Sandro Bonucci, Bremer and Danilo. Kostic on the left wing, McKenny on the right wing with Rabio and Locatelli as centre midfielders. With Vlaovic and Milik up front. That front two is looking good. Mm-hmm. Um, Skorupski in goal for Bologna. It's a 4-2-3-1 with Di Silvestri on the right and Liko Giannis on the left with Sosa and Bonifazi as the two centre-backs. Um, Schouten and Dominguez in the midfield with Soriano just ahead of them. Or Solini to his right and Sansone to his left with Arnautovic up front. For Juve, obviously, De Maria has just started his two-match ban. Um, Chiesa, Pogba and Caio George are still injured. Um, but Milik, Szczesny, Locatelli, Sandro and Rabiot return. So we're starting to see that chunk getting smaller and smaller mm-hmm. for Juve. And Chiesa and Pogba are both making their way back. Um, and obviously, Di Maria is only out for one more match and then he's back. Misses the Milan game, which is great mm-hmm. for Milan. Um, Bologna missed Musa Barrow and new coach Tiago Motta stuck to, as I already said, the 4 2 3 1 despite losing on his debut. And he gave a surprise start to the 20 year old in Joaquin 
Sosa, in case you yes. didn't recognize that name over there. I was about to tell you that leave it to Motta to come in to have a game against Juve and to call up a 20-year-old who's never played a professional game of football in his life and give Literally. him his debut. And concede three. And concede three. <laughs> Classic Thiago Motta. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the game kicked off in the city of Turin. Um, Milik won the ball in the 24th minute off of Sansone, who was being quite stupid. Um, Milik <laughs> played the ball to Vlahovic, who found Kostic on the outside, finishing in off the far post. What is this, bro? A restaurant in St. Julian's? Uh, Milik, Vlahovic, Kostic. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't get it, bro. <laughs> All the Serbian stuff and all that. It's not to get. Sorry, I applied the Croatian logic to the H again. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. Thank you, God. Um, great finish by Kostic's first goal for Juventus, and we're seeing him being utilized more as an attacking outlet. We saw him for Fra- Frankfurt, and this is why we thought he was bought by. Juve to play as a left wing back, but turns out, I'll leave it up to Allegri, obviously, to find a new position <laughs> for him. Um, in the 59th minute, Vlaovic scored after quite a dry streak for him. It was a header at the far post after good play by Juve and a great cross by McKenney. Good header, obviously, by Vlaovic. I think Skorupski could have done a bit better. I think it was oh a bit central. Oh my God. Hey, look at me said being, being honest. No, yeah. honesty is the best policy. Um, 62nd minute it was Milik's turn How do you say Milik's first name? Arcadius 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 <laughs> no, I'm Milik. kidding I have no I think it's Arcadius at least Arcadius It's like um, cool. If you're Greek And go shopping in Gozo <laughs> <laughs> It was a looping Quadrado header That was missed by every Everyone in Bologna's team <laughs> Missed that header Like Everyone in Bologna's team Tried to get to it And they didn't manage Like it fell to Milik who volleyed it in in style. If you're a fan of volleys, match day eight. Yeah. Say, yeah, you should tune in. Um, Juve then hit the post shortly after, following a powerful corner by Paradis. It's easy to say that Juve definitely looked improved, especially with all the criticism saying they can't score. They've gone out and, and scored three. Um, and they did so also, while, while giving away possession as well. Uh-huh. So they didn't really change their philosophy or their approach. That's true. Um, it's also fair enough to say that Bologna aren't in the best place right now under new management. They haven't fucking won under new management mm-hmm. yet. They went through the whole thing with Sinisa. Um, I believe they still, they're they on just one win. Uh, Bologna, they played eight, they won one, drew three and lost four. So this is very much uh, a match where Juventus mm-hmm. should have gotten the points. But the manner in which they got it, that was quite impressive. Um, Their biggest challenge would have been to contain the demon that is Arnautovic, and they did so very exactly. well. And Bonacci and Bremer had 14 recoveries this game. Ma. Each. Each. Fucking and 14 hell. recoveries is the best of this match day. And mm-hmm. they both managed to get Jesus. Um Funny enough, Bologna have scored seven goals this season, and out of which has scored six of them. Yes, exactly. There we go. Um, it's Milan up next for Juve. Do you see them? You know, Milan now have all these injuries. Juve looking slightly improved. I know it's one game. Mm-hmm. They're just coming off loss against Monza, but obviously they had one week to 
relax or play international football for that matter they came in and they went 3-0 there's few more convincing mm. results realistic convincing results than a 3-0 and they did just that are you concerned as a Milan fan what do you think is going to happen so playing Juve is never um, an easy thing to do and even when Milan were at their best last season and Juve were, really weren't uh, the score was 1-1 if I recall correctly mm. um, uh-huh, two draws it was yes now Milan have lost a few players Juve have got some back Mm. The question is If you throw these players Into the phrase Is it too early Will they get walked over mm. The thing is I don't think Allegri Is naive enough to do so uh-huh. To do that I think Milan have an, Enough talent If they're fit To to do some damage Over here But judging with the injuries I think it's going to be a, An open game To be yeah. honest with you no, I, I think so I think And they have a lot to prove Juve Sorry mm. to interrupt you But Juve have, have a lot to prove And after this 3-0 win to Bologna They're going to be like You know what Let's fucking show them That this wasn't Just because it was against yeah. Bologna But we can't do it against Milan too. And Allegri fucking despises Milan Which is weird Because yeah. he won a league With them And and Milan showed him a lot of love So it's, it's weird how Every single time Milan's mentioned He always seems to talk yeah. down about Milan Probably it's the You know You leave Milan You go to Juve It's the Pirlo effect It's the Allegri effect They think they're mm-hmm. holier than thou You know what I mean I mean it's the whole thing When they don't want you You know anymore mm. You tend to become resentful When people don't want you anymore Same thing happened to Pirlo I mean look at Pirlo Why Why, why did he Speak against Milan In such a manner It's because Galliani Didn't Well Galliani Where Milan didn't offer him A contract mm. at the time They thought he was too old when exactly. he clearly had it in him So he proved it elsewhere And it was like in your face You know basically yeah, And Allegri exactly. did the same thing Allegri went to Juve Won more than he did at Milan And again in your face like Exactly you know, It's going to be an interesting game And I, I can't wait to watch it We're having some good company with us as well I told you Adam Ryan is coming over to watch the game Yes Maybe we'll get his two cents on the pod Next week as well See what he thought about the game That'd be fun Why not Mm-hmm all three of us gathered around one microphone. <laughs> <laughs> we'll fix it in the meantime. Let's, yes, let's, yes, let's yes. fucking make it a point, man. Um, but I had good good stuff by Juve, clearly showing that they are a force to be reckoned with. You know what I mean? They're yes, not sir. a team that's just going to keep on losing and just going to keep dropping points to the likes of Monza and Sampdoria. Um, they have got it in them. They're going to get their players back and they're, they're going to fight for top four. That's where they're going to be this year. Um well, I wouldn't. Again, like you said earlier on the season, that it's not as straightforward for you to to and to finish top four. And no, by the way, things are things are fucking looking. No, they 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 they're gonna fight for top four. But you know that that's their ambition for ah, sure. They're yes, gonna fight okay, for Europa okay, League. Okay, okay, okay. Um, but I, I can't really answer right now whether or not I think they're gonna get top four because it's incredibly early days. We saw what they uh-huh. did last season. Yes, and um, they were off to a similar start to this one. But uh, no, I don't have, have any real real predictions. But definitely, they, they will be fighting for for top four. You know yes, what I yes, mean? yes, yes. Um, Bologna, obviously, they they need time under Motta, especially with the new system, new formation. We're talking about um, Gasperini, and and we've mentioned in Sotil as well how he how they adapt to the teams. And um, Motta's that kind of manager where it's like, ah, you used to play three at the back, fuck it, I play with a four at the back, and. You were losing, I was winning, so mm-hmm. here we go. Let's do four at the back, which could bring a team together, shocks the mm-hmm. system, gives them, really cements their new style of play and gives them a new identity, which is exciting. Um, there's no such thing as phasing people into it as well because you either implement it or you don't. So it's interesting to see. I can't make any predictions of what's going to happen with Bologna. I think Mota's a good coach, mm-hmm. personally. And I think... 
I don't think they're going to be fighting relegation. You know what I mean, Bologna. Yeah, but but they are in some trouble right now, and they they need to pick it up. They need to get a couple of wins under their belt for sure. Mm-hmm. I was surprised as well. He didn't play Gary Medel against Juve. I feel like you Gary Medel is a big game player. Yeah, that's true. That's but true. yeah, um, we'll see. Huh? I mean, they might be in trouble, Bologna. You look at them right now, they're in 17th place with six points. They've just started again from ground zero, eight games into the season. Like, mm. it's it's not looking good for them. It's going to be... It's going to be a fucking struggle, it's I think. It's going to be a long, 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 long season It really season is, for it really them, is. Man. And um, granted, Motta did impressive things with Spets, yeah, but there was less pressure, I think. Bologna mm. are a mid-table team. Yeah. They're a, table yeah. That's just, they're a team that's just below mid-table. They are not a table. Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, um, they're going to have to stay away from the relegation zone or the, the pressure is going to fucking pile. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we can close this one yes, off sir. pretty much. It's Juve in seventh place on 13 points. They're seven points behind leaders. Napoli, Bologna, like you said correctly, 17th on six points. One point from, from the drop, I guess. The next game we're going to be covering is Verona 1, Udinese 2, the Monday night treat. Um, Verona were unbeaten in five of their previous six Serie A matches against Udinese, having been defeated in four of the previous five. Um, This stat does not apply to this Udinese, though. Yeah, that's true. Because this is a different team completely. After one defeat and one draw, Udinese have won each of their last six league games. They have reached six wins in their first eight games in Serie A for the first time ever in their history. So this season we're experiencing the best starts for Atalanta and for Udinese historically. True. True. That's this has been very fun to watch. And you know, you look at Udinese who finished fourth in a season once, Mm. um, or third actually, fourth or third, something like 2011. Yes. Um, So like this Udinese is playing better than they did when they had Di Natale. Like how crazy (laughs) is that? Hellas Verona are the team against who Roberto Pereira has scored the most goals in Serie A. Not this week. Not this week. But anyway, let's go to the lineups. Montepo in goal for Hellas Verona with uh, Ceccherini at the back, Gunter Bravo. and Hien. Yeah, I always struggle with Ceccherini. I'm always mm. like, which one's the Chua and which one's the Kerr? Mm. Um, the Scotsman Doig on the left and Lazovic on the right. Doig. 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 Veloso and Tamese in the middle with Verdi in front of them, Henri and Piccoli up front. Silvestri was in goal for Udinese with a back three of Rodrigo, Becao, Biol, and Perez. Uh, Pereira on the right, Udoji on the left. Makengo, Wallace, and Lovrich in the middle with the striking partnership of Deolefeu and Isaac Success. Now, in the third minute, it was Doig who showed great composure to strike a ball that had been cleared very high into the bottom corner. Mm. Uh, Josh Doig, bro, the Scotsman, young Scotsman. Mm. Is he I the think next? you said third minute. It was the 23rd. I think I heard you say third. Oh, did I, I say third? It could be. 23rd, just, just for clarification. Um, Sorry. Is he the next Aaron Hickey, man? He's been fucking super scoring goals. Who? Uh, Doig? Doig, yeah. No, he's, he's good, man. He's good, Doig. I haven't seen too much of him he, he's highly rated and he had a really good mm. game this time round not just because of the goal but but there's a lot of energy down that mm. left he's a strong guy as well he doesn't shy away from a challenge yeah. um, he's quite exciting and he's still just 20 years old yeah so 20 years old fullback very like many similarities to to Hickey in that department being Scottish yeah. and the left back playing in Italy quite frankly I'm very young you know both of them mm-hmm. Hickey was younger Hickey was 
more impressive, of course. But yeah. Doig, you know, has a, has a very yeah has a good future, a bright future ahead of him. Mm-hmm. Um, in the seventieth minute, Udinese finally bit back. Lovely link-up play by them to pass their way through the Verona defense. And eventually it was Deo Lefeu who found Beto who placed it into the back of the net. Very cleanly, a great mm. team goal. De Lefeu, like Barella, man, with, with all these all these fucking assists. like Goals, assists will do anything, bro, Deo Lefeu. He's, been, he's become so good. Mm. In the 93rd minute, um, Udinese finally got a, a winner. It was a free kick, a header and a goal. The free kick was taken by Samard Zic. The header was... Um, headed by Biol, the centre back. Mm-hmm. The guy scored the winner in the 93rd, um, fell on the floor and just laid there and sh- like, yeah, sh- just while everyone it. piled on him. Like. <laughs> and uh, Deo Lefeu jumped on Sotil, like the scenes were immaculate, and this guy's just fucking face down <laughs> on the ground. Like, Look around you! Look what you've just done, dude! What are you doing? Mayhem. Like. Get up, get up and enjoy the fruits of your labour. <laughs> just fucking yep. lying there. I have to say, like, obviously, we watched this game together. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the fiver, but you yeah, still came for the loss bit. Uh-huh. Um, seven shots by Verona, mm. 21 for Udinese. Yes. And they left it late to get the win. You think with that, like if that were our Milan, we'd be saying like how we, we would hope for better, um, better output, mm-hmm. a better success rate, basically, in front of goal. But thing is with Udinese, obviously they have a lot of quality, but the quantity in which they attack, like they get a goal in the 70th minute because they have been attacking for 70 minutes. Mm-hmm. They have exhausted their opponents. They've been picking, they've been prodding, they've been winning the 50-50s. They've been getting physical. They've been passing it around. They've been making you chase. They're working off the ball, on the ball. After, you know, you can't hang on to a 1-0 lead against Udinese. And, and yeah. I'd be interested to see someone try to do that, some, some Juve or, or, or something like that. Um, well, had Inter tried or, or had Udinese opened the scoring against Inter? Uh, I can't remember. I know they were 1-1. I, think Inter, I think Inter scored first. I think so. And then Udinese so. exactly bit back and eventually ended up scoring three, I think. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, bro, man, they, I'm telling you, you know, we said that we're experiencing the best starts for Udinese and Atalanta. Mm. And it's crazy because Udinese are playing like Atalanta and Atalanta are playing like Udinese. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's true. Like Udinese had 69% ball possession, the highest Madonna. of this match day. Against, against and the past success rate of 85%. They man. just keep coming and coming and coming, bro. Um, among the players with at least 150 minutes played in Serie A this season, Beto is the one with the best minutes per goal rate. In fact, the Udinese striker has scored four goals in 297 minutes, an average of one goal every 74 minutes. Fucking hell. The last player to score at least five goals from the Bianconeri's first eight games in a Serie A season Don't tell me it's Di Natale. was Di Natale <laughs> in 2014-2015, dude. So Beto might not be starting every single game, but he's been deadly. You mm-hmm. know? Extremely mm-hmm. deadly. Probably suits him better that he's coming off the bench a little bit. I feel like you get, you know, he, he had gotten some crazy numbers. It was like six goals in five games, something, something like that something last like season. That. He went on a he went on a Simeone streak and then he went on another Simeone streak and didn't score for ages. <laughs> so it's important to introduce him slowly to games and I mean he keeps on scoring 
that you know he's going to be utilized more and more. So I think I think Sotil took a very mature approach when it comes to Beto, and I I like it, man. He's utilizing him to the best of his capabilities. Seems to be the case, at least statistically. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, bro, Udinese most the best ball possession this round, highest attempts with twenty one. Just a very difficult game for Verona to win, even though they they did very well on a Monday night to have the lead for seventy minutes. Um, mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, unlucky for them to to not manage to hold on, but it was too much. It was it was too much. They did a good, they had a very good first half, Verona. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Udinese were always the the better team. It was a stretch of fifteen minutes where where Verona were not dominant, but but they were the better side. Mm-hmm. But you know. It's a long game. It's a 90-minute game, man. And you give Rudinese the opportunity and they are going to fucking bite you, man, this season. True. Um, Verona currently sit in the relegation pool with five points. Do you think that they are candidates this season? We spoke about this um, last season. We quickly shut out talks that they were relegation candidates. I believe we discussed this in the last episode as well. I can't remember what you had said. Um, Okay. I don't think they're relegation candidates. But obviously, what I'm saying cannot be a fact because they're struggling for points. Um, they have five out of eight matches that came from one win and two draws. The rest were all losses. So it's tough to say because I, I've i seen Verona have very good seasons. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I've seen them aim for Europe and aim mm-hmm. for a top 10. But then I've also seen them lose their best players. Season after, in, in three seasons, they probably lost their 11 best players. Mm-hmm. They've lost their starting 11. They have a few players in there who are kind of concerning. I like having Verdi starting is concerning, in my opinion. That's a relegation team. A relegation team has Verdi starting. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Are you having a heart attack? Why? Because I'm like out of breath. Yeah, are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. Yeah, okay. Because I'm, I'm stressed out thinking about Verona's chances. Um, <laughs> Obviously, I found it a bit odd. <clears throat> Jesus Christ. I found it a little bit odd when they appointed Chuffy. Yeah, it was weird. Like, who the fuck is Chuffy? You know what I mean? But yeah, the decent start with them. And then the problem with Verona, as we've discussed Madonna. countless times. I, I can't believe I'm saying this again. They're, they sell their players. They sell their best players. They're a supermarket. And I have a feeling they're going to sell until the drop. I think so, man. I, I think so. If it's if it's not, they, they have what they're currently going through. Not exactly, but the situation they're in is very similar to where Bologna are at, okay, without the removal of their best players, mm-hmm. they're just on the dip, on the dip, on the dip. Where Sampdoria are at, they're getting closer and closer to that relegation. Sampdoria are exactly zone. that, to be honest. Exactly. Um, so, maybe not this season, because they still have a very good team, and they have had it tough with their fixtures, Verona. They've had eight tough fixtures. Um, I'd like to pull out who, who, they, who they played against. Let me... Do just that. In the meantime, I'll sing to entertain you. Exactly. I hear the train coming. It's rolling round a bend. So the first fixture was against Napoli and they lost 5-2. They then played Bologna and they came 1-1. They then played Atalanta and they lost 1-0. They then played Empoli and Samp. But then they played Lazio. Then they played Fiorentina. Then they played Udinese. So very tough fixtures, man. Udinese, Fiorentina, Lazio, Atalanta, Napoli. You know what I mean? So now they have games against Salernitana and Milan. 
and then Sassuolo, and then Roma. So still very tough fixtures for them. Then they play Monza and then Juve. It's just not an easy league no, game. No, not an easy league. That's it. Not that's an easy it. league at all. We'll see how they cope. Yeah, they're them. they're 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 down there, man. They're fifteenth and lower, like. Yeah, that's the thing. They're a bottom five team right now. Yeah, I think. that that that's where they are. They'll, I think they'll survive, but if not this season and not next yes. season, it's the season after. It's They're not investing. Exactly. Um, Udinese currently sit third with 19 points, one point away from first. <laughs> and <laughs> Verona sit 18th with five points, as we've just discussed. Um, by the way, a bit of a Champions League update because the games have finished. Um, Napoli, bro, have beaten Ajax 6-1 away from home. Fuck. Goals from Raspadori, De Lorenzo, Zielinski, Gvaraxelia, and Simeone. And Inter have beaten Barcelona one at San nil. Siro. 1-0 with a Shalanoglu goal. How bad say ya, Cassano? How bad say I fucking alcoholic? Um, that's probably rude of me to say. I apologize if there's anyone that's ever had any... No, if you're sensitive, the, guys, the I doubt you'd even... You'd probably tune out the first that, couple. That's true, but, like but we, we tend apologies to be if, I, if, I, if I was a trigger. <laughs> um, good day for Italian football Hopefully Milan can keep it up Let's call it tonight Because it's essentially yes. Tonight When this is released um, Next game we'll be covering Is Lazio 4 Spezia 0 So Lazio had won their last 5 Against Spezia But it's the first time That Lazio didn't concede Against them When winning Drake is currently <laughs> Getting fucked up by our dog Marley just licking his bald head. Licking my Don't head, put him dude. on me, man. Take, take him away. No, man, leave him there. So, aha, Lazio like, lost 5-1 to Midtjylland, and then they won two games 4-0 in a row, while Spezia were coming off a 2-1 win against Sampdoria, a.k.a. the guaranteed three points. Lazio lined up uh, in their 4-3-3 formation with Provedel between the six. Will Between the sticks, will we ever mm. see... Um, Maximiliano yeah. again. I don't Maximiano. think. <laughs> I don't think so, bro. After what he did, his nah. third minute red card. Just one chance he got, like. Yeah. <laughs> but it's brutal because then Provedel came and he played well. And he can't back exactly. the goal. He was playing well. Exactly. It's not fair. Um, Marusic and Lazzari in the wing back roles with Romagnoli and Patrick as the two centre backs. Um, Milinkovic, Savic, Cataldi, and Luis Alberto. Hello, welcome back to Luis Alberto. Um, Anderson, Immobile and Zaccani up front For Spezia, it's the 3-5-2 with Dragovski in goal Ampadu, Caldara and Nicolau at the back Home and Kiwi are in the wing-back positions With Ellertsen, Burabia and Bastoni As the three centre midfields um, With Giassi and Inzola up front Sarri was serving his ban for descent And, uh, you know, they, they won their last game before this 4-0 as well So I'm wondering... What happened for him to get sent off for this sent? Like, God knows. Really weird one. He, um, I think I wait, wait. Who was it against their last game? Remind me. Before this one, um, I'm gonna let you know. Because I think I remember the moment. I definitely Lazio. remember the moment actually. Their last final victory before this was against Cremonese. And he got sent sent off that game. Mm-hmm. Okay. Weird. He must not like scoring goals. Yeah. Um, Spezia missed Amian, Reka, Kovalenko, Sala and Christoph, which obviously would damage a team like Spezia quite a bit. So this was an absolute walkover by Lazio. They were stunning. They were fantastic. They were sexy. They were everything 
in this game. A really entertaining performance by Lazio. Um, in the opening minutes, Immobile won a penalty after some brilliant, brilliant play. A nice through ball by Luis Alberto. Immobile was brought down clearly, steps up to take the penalty and skies it. Absolutely skies it. In the 12th minute, Zaccani pretty much dribbled everyone and their dog from his own half. <laughs> he played it to Anderson, who squared it back to the Italian with a beautiful pass, who only needed a touch to convert. Brilliant pass by Anderson. Um, I know Anderson is probably one of the most what's it, inconsistent players mm. in, in the league. Yes. But he's been great in the opening eight matches. In the 24th minute, just 12 minutes later, Romagnoli volleyed it in like Zidane in 0-2, as we were saying <laughs> earlier in the final against Leverkusen in Glasgow. What a goal by Romagnoli. Has it in his locker. Basically, if you go back to the first minute, you'll hear everything we want to say about this goal because it's our goal of the week. 62nd minute, Sergei Milinkovic Savic. What's he doing, man? Scoring every game, this guy. It was an amazing team goal by Lazio. Immobile rounded the keeper but got into too much of a tight angle. He pulled it back, played it to Zakani, who squared it to Milinkovic-Savic, who finished. That was patience at its finest, man. You rounded the goalkeeper. You know that you could get into a position to score. You play it to someone who then plays it again. It's just they're, they're teasing them at this they point. Are, they're they're playing were with calm, them, bro. They were collected. It's like Sarah has a cat that brings in these cockroaches. So nerds. there'll be a cockroach out That's in the so metal, man. She'll bring it in and she'll like let it run away, like give it hope that it's going to get away. Then she'll go and catch the cockroach again. Then she'll like play with it, you know, bite it a bit. Then again, she'll let it run. Then she'll get it and she'll just say fucking with it. And she does this until she eventually either destroys it completely or eats it, quite frankly. Do you and join her in this? Do you play with cockroaches and no, eat them I, as well? I, yeah. I try to avoid it. Sarah enjoys it, but I... <laughs> I, I try. I can't really look at cockroaches, bro. They're quite disgusting. Um, but yeah, that that's it, so basically. There's, that's there's, Lazio. Lazio is Sarah's one. cat and Spezia is the cockroach. That's it. Yeah. There's one more goal. Um, and it was another one by... That that must fucking sound on the, on the mic. Can you stop cracking your fingers, please? Um, in the 91st minute, Sergei got another one. He cut in and played him through. He waited and waited as Dragovski came out and just dinked it over him ever so slightly. Another really sexy goal by Lazio. This was a sexy performance. I will keep using the word sexy to describe Lazio in this game. Well, he's one fucking centimeter away from my ear. You got damn right. What, you scared? Scared of a real man? <laughs> um, no, it was absolute domination by Lazio. I mean, I remember you said, what did you say? You said we, we should do... Under four goals. I you said we should do under four goals. Under four in this goals game. because Spets, yeah, typically mm -hmm. um, they defend big well. Teams like. a tough time, but then as a good point you mentioned uh, was that Lazio do have a tendency of unlocking these smaller teams and um, stat padding. That's where how Immobile basically ends up top score every mm. single season. He didn't get no? a single one; just missed a penalty. Yeah. Not his day, huh? but mm. yes, this was a terrible performance by Spezia and an amazing Awful. performance by by Lazio. Lazio looked so gel, like this was Sarri ball, wasn't it? Yeah, it it was, and it's showing. You know what I mm. mean? This is their second season under Sarri, so now they're playing Sarri ball. Exactly. Now they're playing Sarri ball, um, and and it has to be said, they look so good with Alberto and the team. I understand that Sarri has other ideas in mind now i don't know if this was him utilizing alberto because of the fixture in place 
and that he feels like Alberto could make a difference against a team like Spezia, then again, who wouldn't? Um, or if it's a sign of things to come and his relationship with, with Alberto took a turn for the better and he's going to start utilizing him more. I wonder which one of those it is. Like, um, Probably not the latter. <laughs> I highly doubt that they have um, sorted their relationship out. It's probably just a professionalism thing. No, they have their differences, but they can help each other. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Um, where do you see Lazio kind of fitting in? They're of, I don't think they're a top four no, team well, yet. They, they but push for Europa League so they can ignore it again next season. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they'll do. <laughs> uh, we'll see, though. I hope they keep giving Sarri the tools. It's quite fun to watch them. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree on this. <clears throat> the, the inevitable happens to Sarri at, at some point. <laughs> what would that be, bro? <laughs> Death, pneumonia. Like he, he, he already you know has. I mean? He's had pneumonia. He survived pneumonia. Sorry. Of course. Wow. Yeah. I've been underrating him this entire time. <laughs> yeah, that's as resilient as his defense mm. with Romagnoli and Pucky. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't take too much away from Spezia. Got the Spezia. I know that they just lost four 0 against Lazio, but. It was such a good performance. Now they were shambolic at the back, but you should see at what pace Lazio were playing the ball around. They were they were unstoppable in that game. They were very similar to Napoli in mm-hmm. that in that sense. They were so dynamic. Zakani had the fucking game of his life. He's so good. I got battered on the on the Fanta group chat because I said, Ah, Zakani's a superstar. And it was before yeah. this, so I'm glad he had a bit of a great performance. Yeah, so. I think it was uh, Mintov's uh, Mintov's main problem was the hyperbole. The, like, was the what? The hyperbole, like the, you know, calling him a superstar is an exaggeration. You know what I mean? Um, I think he took it literally. He was like, he's not a su- fucking superstar. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, like it's, Ronaldo's a superstar. Uh, I'm uh, like, well, we, we, we've discussed meant of being, t- taking things too literally. And that's... Uh, you, you've discussed meant of taking <laughs> things too literally. As in, I brought, it, I brought it up to you and I brought it up on the podcast. Um, yes. So there you go. That's he was great. Thing. He's exactly what the country needed in the 80s. <laughs> That's the Maltese language. <laughs> exactly. In, in a Maltese accent as well. I don't think there's too much else to no, add. Lazio are done with this. top four now. Um, they're four just ahead of Milan on same points, but they have positive 12 goals when Milan have positive seven goals. Um, Spezia are then in 12th on eight points. Not bad, probably where Spezia expected to be and a little bit better, perhaps. Sassuolo 5, Salernitana <laughs> nil. <laughs> this is how we're introducing games. Yes. You know, next That's game we're covering it. <laughs> this is a statement in itself. Sassuolo 5, Salernitana nil. Madonna. The first ever female referee in Serie A, Maria Ferrieri Caputi. She had an excellent performance as a referee. Um, her being a woman did not stop Kandreva from screaming in her face every opportunity he got, quite frankly. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, why not? I like why that. Not? Equality. Yeah. Uh, um, and, and also, the first female prime minister for Italy. Ah, yes. As soon as I heard that, I smiled and then I said, let me look her up. <laughs> Let me just look her smiling. Up. And I'm like, how stupid am I to just assume 
just because it's a historic moment that it's a positive one. A fascist, yes. like. Yes. So what you're saying is that um, just because this is a historic moment doesn't mean that No. <laughs> <laughs> she was actually great, man. She was great. She was great. She was great. Um the last time Salernitana beat Sassuolo was in August 2008 in Serie B. Wow. And Andrea Pinamonti scored two plus goals for the first time in Serie A against Salernitana at the Arecchi in October 2021. It was a brace for Empoli. Um, only against Roma and Udinese has he found the net more times against any other team in the top flight. I'm starving. <laughs> Don't worry, bro. You can eat soon. Um, Consigli in goal for Sassuolo, Rogeri on the left, Tolian on the right, the centre-back partnership of Ferrari and Ehrlich. Thorts, Vett, Lopez and Fratesi in the middle, with Laurente on the left and Siede on the right. I'm sure God, that's the no, yeah. Pinamonti up front. Sepe and goal for Salernitana with a back three of Lovato, Danilo Lich and Bron. Um, Kandreev on the right, Matsoki on the left, Vilhena Maggiore and Koulibaly in the middle with Dia and Piontek up wide. A good Salernitana team that has had good performances and that have been on the rise. This was extremely random. Yes, I, I couldn't believe what happened. But then, you know, I watched the game and I was like, whoa. Yeah. Sassuolo played some solid football bro phenomenal football phenomenal phenomenal football. football it all started in the 12th minute where um laurente received the ball in a tight area on the left side of the box he waited patiently for the gap between the defenders and placed it perfectly in off the post mm. uh, it was a towards vet assist in the 39th minute uh, majora tripped sese in the box or cease or whatever the fuck his name is um the penalty was given by Pinamonti. He shot at the bottom left. Sepe guessed the right way, but couldn't keep it out. Mm -hmm. In the 53rd minute, there was more direct play by Sassuolo. Alvarez played a lovely weighted ball through to Thorsvet, who finished first time to the top corner. It was impressive. Once again, everything about this game was, yeah. was impressive. In the 76th minute, it was Harui's turn to score as Sassuolo continued to play like prime Barcelona. It's a lovely <laughs> sequence of plays. So Harui finishing first time in the top corner. It's basically a training routine, you know, the yeah. same move over and over again. They keep scoring. In the 92nd minute, Alvarez missed a one-on-one -on -one and Antiste scored his rebound to open his account for Sassuolo. You know what I like about this man? What? About Sassuolo, a really fucking good sign for them. Mm. So you see the first goal, Thorsvet assist, Laurenta goal. Second goal, Pinamonti. Third goal, Alvarez assist, Thorsvet goal. Fourth goal, Laurenta assist. Fifth goal, Antist goal. All new guys. Yeah. For a team, now take notes, Verona. Even Haru is relatively new. Yeah. yeah. Take notes, Verona. Take notes. You lose your star players. You replace them and you replace them wisely. It doesn't mean you have to break the bank. But look in South America. Look somewhere. Don't just fucking uh, look in your average academy. You know what I mean? This is this is how you do it. It's good this scouting. Huh? It. Very good, good scouting. This Laurenter guy looks really good. He had a bit of a selfish moment in the first mm. half. But other than that, super yeah. performance. They're super all off the mark, man. They're yeah. all of, Now they're going to be fighting for their places. There's going to be Junior Traore coming back. It's going to be Berardi. Coming back at some point as well. And this yeah. is going to be mental. Statement victory for them at this time. Yeah. They absolutely ripped them to shreds, bro. Salernitana thrive when they play out wide. Sassuolo were forcing the play through the middle and they simply had no response for it. Mm. Yes, kept getting battered and battered and battered to the point that after the game, um, there were calls for Nicola's head. 
and um, come on yeah, I swear to God I swear to God like, actually it's been stated that he's not going to be sacked and they're going to give him of course more. he's not going to be that's sacked. what I thought I thought like a fucking unit under him man. but I think it was such a humiliating defeat that it had to get people talking um, I'm very impressed how this Laurent guy brought an explosive player mm-hmm. so good he looks good it's going to be going to be interesting to see what happens once they have the, the band back in town they're going to have to on one side Berardi on the other and like Laurent is going to be like, hello, you yeah. know what I mean? He's a fucking, a, a very, very good player. And he has such a cool play style as well, man. True. Very cool play style. Again, like like you said, he's a little bit selfish. Um, bit of Leao syndrome in his first season, maybe at, at, at Milan, mm. where... He needs a veteran to put him in his place. What? Yes, pretty much. Pretty I don't much. know. I just think that with these kind of flashy, impressive players that, are, that dribble, you know, very well, there tends to be an element of uh, selfishness to it because at the end of the day, dribbling and taking people on is a very selfish thing to do. I said, when you yeah. can play the ball to mm. a teammate, it's you know, what they're good at. Eh? It's what they're good at, exactly. So at the end of the day, it's what, what makes them good is what also can make them bad at times. It's something kind of like, you, it's a trade-off, you know? Yeah, I get true. someone who can dribble, I get someone who's a bit selfish, you know? Exactly. I, mean? exactly. I get a star, he's a bit selfish. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, take it to the byline and, and square it is, is where yeah. he'll end up, just, exactly. just like Leo. Um, no side has kept more clean sheets than Sassuolo in the current Serie A campaign. What? Yes, bro. They have five clean sheets in eight games, level with Atalanta. In the whole of last season, Sassuolo kept just three clean sheets in 38 oh, games. Oh, good, because they literally said... Dionisi, Dionisi literally it. said he wants to concede less goals. There you go. And it's so, with Ferrari and Derlick. Like, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Defensively sound, but still amazing going forward. It's the perfect yeah. balance displayed this game. What exactly. a performance by Sassuolo, 10 on 10 for Dionisi this game. Yeah, and and against a very high-pressure team in, in Salernitana. Um, we've seen what they're capable of this year. They've put some teams through absolute hell. Um, they held possession. They had 56% of it. So they, You know, they were... Doesn't mean that they were in the game, you know, you know what I mean. But they had a few opportunities as well. They had six mm. shots, but Sassuolo had seventeen. So mm-hmm. whatever Salernitana did, they were just getting outdone by by Sassuolo. Very fluid football. Fucking that that midfield three is nice, man. It really is. Fratesi, Lopez, Torsvet. Lopez is brilliant. Torsvet is proving himself as fuck. Like, he got three shots away in this game from, from that position. Fratesi as well got two shots away. Fratesi, at the age of 23, has become an experienced player in the Sassuolo midfield already. Hey, man. Hey. Especially mm-hmm. in his play style, he's very mature in, in the way he plays. Um, we've we've passed comments about him in front of goal. Uh-huh. But he does get the odd goal. He does. And he's not a goal-scoring... Well, I'll say he's not a goal-scoring goals player, but he really was. Like, two years ago. Literally. Um, but I have very, very, very impressive stuff by, by Sassuolo. Now, now we'll see if, if they, they can, can keep, keep it, up. it up. Exactly. That's the main thing. And with all the, these new guys, like Pinamonti of the mark, Laurent of the mark, Torsvet of the mark, Antist of the mark, I think mm-hmm. they're all going to be hungry. For and sure, they're all going to be fighting for it. So here yes. we go again. And, and I believe they play Inter next. And they're Inter's bogey team. They are Inter's bogey team, um, and they do play them next. So we'll see what happens there. there. And Inter, 
um, coming off a poor domestic run, but a victory against Barcelona. So oh my god, can happen. Yes, I, I I just said what what Inter need is maybe an impressive midweek win. Like <laughs> and then that's exactly what they got. <laughs> there you go. Sassuolo sit in eighth with twelve points, while Salernitana are fourteenth with seven points. So the next game we're going to be covering was the end of a very tragic tale with for Gianpaolo's return to Sampdoria. Um, Sampdoria nil, Monza three. Sort of result you want to see um, for Sampdoria fans, obviously. Um, Sampdoria on a four-match losing streak. Before this, they lost to Verona, Milan, Spezia, and now obviously to Monza as well. Played eight, won nothing, drew two, and lost six. Very sad stuff to see where Sampdoria are at right now, man. Um, Monza. <laughs> Monza, on the other hand, got their second win this this year. Their, their second win in Serie A history. Yeah. And they came in a row. A 1-0 win against Juve. Yeah. And then a 3-0 away win against Monza. Allegri and Giampaolo. Against Sampdoria. Sorry. The first two victories against Allegri and Giampaolo. Literally. Um, so Sampdoria lined up in their 4-1-4-1 formation. Um, in Giampaolo's last hurrah. And I believe Gianpaolo wasn't even... He was in the stands due to a touchline ban. Now, that I believe. That I believe. Um, was he? Yes. Ah, yes, of course he was for lashing out. Yes, 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 yes. Um, so, Zamdoria lined up with Audero on goal, Augello, Colli, Murillo and Berezinski at the back with Villar in the holding midfield position. Juricic and Gabbiadini out wide with Sabiri <laughs> and Rincon in, in the middle. And Caputo up front. Either, either that's not quite right, or fuck me, Gianpaolo really did. Have I to think go, it's like, like a four-three-one-two. Yeah, probably with Juricic uh, in the hole and Gabbiadini and Caputo up front. Probably, um, exactly. And Sabiri and Rincon in, in midfield. Yeah. Um, Di Gregorio on goal for Monza and their three-four-three formation or three-four-two-one, whatever you'd like to call it. It's Omari and Calderola at the back with Churia and Augusto out wide, Rovella and Sensi in the middle with Pessina and Caprari ahead of them, and Mota up front. Obviously, Monza are missing Petania, they're missing Marlon and Luca Marrone, and obviously, Ranocchia has apparently retired, by the way. Yes. So, con- that it was mutual that the contract was terminated. So, 11th minute, Pessina scores. It was a sensi cross to Churia at the far post, who squared it to Pessina, who finished his first goal for Monza. Um, 67th minute, Caprari hit a stunning volley from a tight angle. If any of you guys haven't watched that goal yet, go watch it, especially if you like volleys. Amazing, quite a tight angle, manages to get it fucking into the far post, into the corner. Amazing stuff by Caprari. Um... And then in the 94th minute, it was Sensi's turn to score. It was a brilliant finish from the edge of the area after some great play. Sensi, outside the area, is where he wants to be. Yeah. He's a proper attacking midfielder. I'm not saying that, obviously, you know, he's one of the best that there is. But he's that is literally where, where he plays, you know. Yeah. Um, good stuff by Monza. I don't know if I mentioned earlier. I feel like I'm getting deja vu saying this. Um, but really good stuff that Pessina, Caprari, Sensi... All getting goes. Ah, you said three. it for Sassuolo. But, but I think I said it earlier as well in the intro to this. Three new mm-hmm. guys. Um, they're three stellar signings. It's the reason everyone wanted them to stay up and, and actually progress quite a bit. 
Um, and it's good to see them all getting their names on the score sheet. Thoughts? I mean, Monza, brilliant win. Sampdoria, terrible loss. Samp- so. More than Monza being good this game, it was fucking Sampdoria being absolutely horrific. Mm-hmm. When it comes to chances created, let me find it, let me find it, let me find it. Give me a sec. Um, what should I sing in the meantime? Top attempts, team rankings. Sampdoria have three, the lowest in match day in this match day, basically. Um, Udinese twenty one on the polar end of the spectrum. <laughs> um, like even Salernitana and a five nil loss had six attempts. Sampdoria against newly promoted Monza had three attempts, bro. Jeez. Like no shit, Giampaolo is gonna get lost, like, get uh, sacked. Yeah, he's a lost cause. Mm-hmm. Like they need, they need a, a new lease of mm-hmm. life. Last week I said Sampdoria relegated unless they sack Giampaolo tomorrow, and I mean wasn't tomorrow but it took them seven days yes. to do it I, I'm surprised by I mean after this performance I'm not but I really thought that John Paolo and the, the board were were close like that they believed in him you know mm-hmm. but clearly I mean you'd have to be blind deaf and quite mm-hmm. frankly mentally fucking delayed to, <laughs> to um, believe in him at this point like um, he's a man whose career as a manager is in decline right now uh, and it, it sucks for him but it's true that Milan job really killed him yeah it, it, it derailed him completely now he's not the only problem right and i'm going to mention two things that are also a problem with sampdoria then we'll get into why why monza are so good and, and there's something interesting about them as well but so basically okay john paolo's been sacked apparently now um their primavera coach felice tufano will become the interim manager until a new manager is officially chosen Current options, two, that they're looking at. Mm. Ranieri and Daversa. Shut the fucking well, fuck two, up. Two coaches who have already been there. Shut the... They sacked Daversa for Gianpaolo. Yes. Last season. Before that, they had Ranieri. What are you doing? Well, I guess they just want to survive. They're already fucking writing the season off properly. What are they doing? What are they doing? You bring Ranieri and you survive, huh? Yes, bro, but give the team... A new rush of blood, some identity, give them something new, give them a motivator. Okay, Ranieri is a motivator, we all know what Ranieri's I done, think, the yeah. tinker man. <laughs> Honestly, he's past it. Well, he's past he's it, a bro, little but bit he, past he, it. they were very good under him. An incredibly and short-term solution, this is a team that has but been they do. They need a short-term solution. solution, they have two points in the league right now. That's they have a fair two points point. and, and they sit last. They need a short-term fix instantly before they get relegated. Okay, let's like, say it's not Ranieri. Do you think Daversa is just a horrific choice? I mean, again, Daversa, to be honest, it's quite a shit choice because he's already proven that he couldn't do much with Sampdoria when he was there. Exactly. Yes. Um, I don't know, but there are a few names, you know, like the classic ones, Ballardini, there's Iacchini. These are the guys, the relegation experts that you might want mm. to go for at this point, honestly. And then you just... Think- End the season and then go for someone else. Do you think their pride is too high to go for one of those? Some possibly, yeah, possibly. Ah, but I don't think the beggars can be choosers. Yeah, exactly. Apparently, um, Gianpaolo isn't the only one that has been shown the door. Well, apparently their technical director in Carlo Osti is out next. Apparently they're exploring alternatives for him as well. So a little bit of a revamp behind the scenes, which goes to show that perhaps the management wasn't the only issue in place. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, and then you have Monza, right? Mm-hmm. 
They took a gamble in this Palladino guy, right? They're notorious for taking a gamble with their managers, yes. Gallini, Gallini, Galliani, and Berlusconi. Maybe it's paying off. This new guy, Palladino, was their, who's currently their interim manager. Mm. Two games, two wins. Yes, but uh, Berlusconi takes the credit for the tactics every time. Of course. Yeah, <laughs> of course. This is his team, this is his module. Well, maybe he'll be a bit less involved now since he's trying to let me not make any fucking terrible jokes. Because he's, he's his Forza Italia party that he had mm. before that was a right-wing party is now involved in this new right-wing leadership that Italy have. So that's either more funding or less funding for for Monza. Milan Milan had both. Um, He recently, he he was asked recently if he prefers blondes or brunettes is a question he's often asked. And his response Mm. is always different. And this time he said like, uh, no problem as long as they give you the pussy. (laughs) And dude, this guy, this guy says this when he's surrounded by executive professional looking people and the public, you know, cameras on him, Mm -hmm. eyes on him. He doesn't give a fuck. Mm -hmm. He says what he wants. Now I think, right? Someone says something like that and you think disgusting, right? He says that in front of all those people. I agree with that. Well, <laughs> uh, however, uh, as in, as in, not <laughs> I agree with the pussy, not I agree with the pussy. Well, <laughs> well, um, technically, yeah. I I agree that it's wrong to say something like that out in public, especially when you're a man of certain caliber. But respect that he has gotten to a place where he can say that shit in public. Honestly, not, not many people respect can get away with it. That like. you're just doing what the yeah. fuck you want, like because Donald Trump said it once to a friend close by and it was recorded. And he said, you know, he's grabbing by the pussy. <laughs> and it's, it shook a whole nation for eight years. Exactly. This guy says it, uh, people blink and they don't, they just forget. Like, exactly. Like, then Biden opens the door for a squirrel, like, and exactly. <laughs> no one bats an eye. Um, but whatever, this has been a, a very political episode. Monza looking very attacking and, and dynamic. It seems like now, you know, we're always saying that they have these new players, they need to get used to playing with, with each other in Pessina, in Sensi, in Caprari, um, uh, in Petania, all these guys. Are we seeing them starting to get used to each other? Yes, I, I think so. They're playing well. They, the last two games that they had were very impressive. Um, and I, I think the trajectory will be one of an upward nature from here on out. Um, Pessina got a goal for his boy, boyhood club, no? Mm. Um, he said he had always wanted to to score in Serie A with Monza and it's finally happened, so it's a dream come true for him. Okay, that's weird. Yeah, he's from there. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he was with their academy. So, My yeah. God. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, surprisingly, it's Sampdoria that are dead last over here. Two points out of eight games. Four match losing streak and before that it was a draw and before that was another loss shambolic stuff by Sabdoria. Monza on 16th looking a lot better there's still only two points from the drop and under them there's two experienced Serie A teams in Bologna and Hellas Verona yes. so it's still very tight for them down there the next game we're going to be covering was a relegation six-pointer, a relegation dogfight to newly promoted teams, Lecce 1, Cremonese 1. After losing their first match against Lecce in Serie A on November 1989, Cremonese remained unbeaten in the next three games against them in the top flight. A draw in 1990 was followed by two wins in 1993-1994. Before this game, 
Three of the four games played in 2022 between newly promoted teams in Serie A ended in a draw. That trend has continued. So mm. newly promoted teams, bro, just draw constantly. <laughs> That's the bet. That was a bet. Yeah. By the way, before I said my God, and it sounded like I was reacting to um, Pessina coming from Monza, mm. that was a fucking clear-cut handball by, by ah, Dumfries in the box. Yes, that was yes, a penalty bro. to Barca. Sorry, yes, go probably on. Was. But yeah, Lecce and Cremonese are the two teams in Serie yeah, with the lowest average possession rate in this season in the league. Mm. Um, 39% Lecce, 44% Cremonese. Mm. Not uh, really surprising. Eh? I mean, it kind of is. I thought Lecce... Ah, that's true. Lecce, Lecce uh, 39 seems low, for considering the true. way they look when, when I watch them, but apparently not. Coming into this, no current Lecce or Cremonese player had scored against the other in Serie yeah. Oh, okay. So it was a fresh blank slate for them. Mm-hmm. Now... Lecce lined up with Falcone and goal, Gallo on the left and Jondri on the right, Baschirotto and Pongracic at the back, Humeland as the holding midfielder with Banda on the left and Strefezza on the right, Gonzalez and Askelson in the middle with Colombo up front. Radu in goal for Cremonese with Sir Nicola on the right and Valeri on the left, Lacoshvili and Bianchetti as a centre-back duo, Castagnetti and Ascacibar in the middle with Zanemaki on the right, Okereko on the left, and Pickle playing off the shoulder of Ciofani. Amazing, bro. Really, really well thank done you, with all the you. pronunciation. It's not uh, easy. I believe there was one that I might have fucked up, but uh, I don't where think is so. it? I, I, Jean-Dre, Gendry, Jean-Dre, I think it's Jean-Dre, but yeah. I think it's yeah. it's when he's feeling like a fuckboy, it's Jean-Dre. Mm. But I think it's Gendry otherwise, you know. When he's trying to get some offshore puss. <laughs> it's Gendry. When he's trying to get a blonde or a brunette. Yeah. It's Gendry. Gendry. In the 19th minute, Okareke was played through brilliantly and dropped by Falcone. After managing to get around him, he basically dribbled the keeper and had an empty net. But uh, Falcone told him, nope, and dropped him. Giovanni stepped up and found the bottom right corner. It was his first goal in, say, uh, in 3.5 years. My Giovanni. God. Yeah. Jesus. So a very happy moment for him. In the 42nd minute, Okereke, the man who won the penalty for Cremonese, gave away a penalty by dropping John Dre. Um, Strefezza stepped up and placed it into the bottom corner, sending the keeper the wrong way. 1-1. Um, Falcone's save on Okereke was amazing later on. Um, Okereke should have won them the game there, to be honest with you. Okereke had a one-on-one, basically, bro, towards the end of the game. Mm. And Falcone fucking pulled top save. Yeah, top he, save, he's, he's not the goalkeeper you'd want in front of you when you're trying yeah, to score. He's, he's actually Falcone. Listen to this, Mint. You know, he's actually super. No, he's very he's good. He's super. Yeah. He's up there with some of the best goalkeepers in the league. Like, he's excellent. And he's still really young. Um really young he's 27 years old but uh-huh. I, I I doubt because he's on loan from Samp I think so yes he exactly he was out there yeah. out there as backup yes I think you should say in Serie this is a very good very good um, season and even the last one yeah. he's very good I think Cremonese should have won this, bro. They had they had more okay. chances. They they played better than um, than Lecture. But the problem was that um, this game was not simply a game of football. It was an experience, right? We watched um, 
as David Okereke experienced the full range of hero to zero, literally. It yeah. was the embodiment of Okereke as a player, his form. Like, <laughs> um, he started out, he won a penalty by dribbling the keeper, his team scored it. He concedes a penalty, then he misses a chance to score the winner mm. at the end of the game. Classic downward yeah. trend. Um, yeah, Cremonese looked good, man. Cremonese often look decent. True. They're an awkward side to play against and to get three points against, pretty much. I think three points is obviously what everyone aims for when playing a, a side like Cremonese. I obviously see them being the most obvious candidates for relegation yes. when it comes to their, their roster. Um, but uh-huh, they, they put up a respectable fight. They Was it them? No, that was Lecce that put up the fight against Inter in the beginning. But Cremonese put up that fight against Fiorentina True. when when Rado had the blunder at the end. Yes, ah, of course. Mm-hmm. That should have been a draw for them. Yeah, this was a good game, man. It was it a really good game. Was. It's always, I always like watching two Serie B teams play against each other in the Serie A. Same. It's always interesting. Lecce had 54% ball possession, but only one shot on target from six attempts. They did not play very well at all. Cremonese had 13 shots with four on target. They were much more adventurous. They took risks. Um, I think at the end of the day, they perhaps deserved to go home with three points. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, these were the two newly promoted sides. Game head to head and both scored a penalty each. Exactly. And end of story. There like. you go. There you go. Um, Lecce. Currently sit in 13th with seven points. Cremonese sit in 19th with three points. So I guess that's that for yes. this episode. We've, we've pretty much covered everything. Uh, it's not too long an episode, which I like. It's okay. No, it's almost two hours. I guess it's it's pretty damn yeah. long if you ask me. Um, Thank you if you've made it this far. Hey. And let us know if you've made it this, bar, this far. And text us. Um, what, what funny, cool little code word can we give them to text us if they've made it this far? Um, just give me that pussy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. We await your text. <laughs> no, let us know if you like blondes or brunettes. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay, blondes or brunettes, guys. Let us know if you like blondes or brunettes. Yeah, you'd have a very special place in in our hearts if you let us know, especially yes. if you say brunettes. <laughs> um, thank you very much, guys. Remember to. Follow us and, and see what our betting journey is like. It's at Seria Spotlight on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. Check us out and show us some love. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you, guys. Good night.